You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. Welcome to the pinnacle of wrestling entertainment, Premier Streaming Network. Join us at watchonpremier.com to unlock the ultimate wrestling experience, curated to perfection. Immerse yourself in the spectacular world of wrestling history, where classic battles and unforgettable moments are at your fingertips. Join us today and experience the epitome of curated wrestling content, because when it comes to wrestling entertainment, Premier sets the standard. Be Premier. Everybody, this is Dominic D'Angelo of Where Am I? Uh, Inside the Ropes and several other outlets. I'm here today on the Premier Streaming Network. It's Monday night if you're listening via audio, and I am here with none other than Mr. Monday Night, Rob. Yeah, damn, Rob. Good to have you back, my brother. Thanks, dude. It's, uh, <laughs> it's been man. It's been like one of the longest weeks like ever. Seems like here, but uh, that's. I was thinking it was Friday all day today. I even. Made appointments for Monday because I thought I already blew the week off and I, I couldn't get shit done tomorrow. And and I went, wait, it's Thursday. I got the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> How about that? So you had, you had a pretty busy plate this week, huh? Full plate going on. Yes, sir. Yeah, nothing really uh, probably to, uh, to talk about uh, here. It's just, you know, been a... Uh, it's been a busy week. And a whirlwind of sorts. That's hey, yeah, you definitely have those here and there. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's cool. Uh, yeah, we got some good feedback here this week. Uh, one of the, now the ones I didn't mark on here, so I'm gonna pop them up at random. So what we get, what we see is what we get here. But, um, all right, first off, starting off, this was literally like 57 minutes ago because I just screenshot this. RVD is the man. Great podcast and great advice. This was on the accountability video that we you did. Nice. So, yeah. Cool, man. Glad, glad to hear it, man. Appreciate the feedback, and uh, appreciate knowing what you're enjoying. So keep it coming. Yeah, people were like already that post that uh, video was just posted today. So and you're already getting some good feedback. This is another one too about accountability. Robert Givenden, Givenden says, "Damn, I had this talk so many times with my daughter. She has now graduated from Brandy's University in Boston. She recently hit me with my own accountability conversation." We saw you in Louisville, Kentucky for WWE a long time ago. You stood out then and now. Love the podcast. Puff, puff, pass. Back it around. Two, two, two. <laughs> right on, man. That's that's awesome. Uh, what he said about it coming around and his daughter giving him. Yeah. Because that's what happens. You know, like that's one thing. I, I'm so cognizant of it. I, I hear I, I say this all the time. I always, and I've said it to you, I think, on here, I've said that, like, when uh, I can never, like, get mad at uh, at Katie because anything that I could even potentially be upset about, I'm, I'm just as guilty of doing it myself. And and I actually have uh, uh, a little bit of a, a case of self-loathing going on right now <laughs> because, because uh, last week um, she 
she had uh, there was a there was a um, she drank a little too much on on one day, you know, and I and and anyway, uh, you know, for for um, it wasn't it wasn't like a, like horrible or anything like that, you know. But it was just it was something that was uh, you know that that uh, interfered a little bit with our normal zen that we got here, you know. Sure, so, yeah, yeah. Like, man, how could you do that? You just lose track, you know? And I get it. I mean, I know you're having fun, but, you know, you weren't supposed to do that tonight. Well, you know, the, guilty last night. I did the same thing. I did the same thing. And I'm just like, God, you know, like, <laughs> I have so everything, everything that I thought about that made mine different doesn't work. Right. Like, well, well, for me, like I purposely wanted, you know, I was, I was getting drinks because you needed to loosen. Well, no, that's the same thing that you did it for last week too. <laughs> um, but I wanted you to have more fun. Well, same. Uh, yeah. Forget it, dude. I'm guilty. Yep. Right. Guilty. I can't talk myself out of it. Everybody's uh, can be a hypocrite. It just happens. You know, that's, how yeah. it is, you know, it's yeah. just, I know I'm a hypocrite several times. It hey, it, 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 at least we own it as long right. as we own it. Yeah. Exactly. When, that's you know that's that's what that's what accountability is all about. Hundred percent, man. It's something that I was thinking about a lot this week, so it's 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 a good one. All right, so Tex Cobb, who you started with in hey, Randall Tex Cobb. Yeah, he was a professional boxer, fought Larry Holmes for the title, and what would lead to Howard Cosell retiring from professional boxing commentary. Whoa! He then was a kickboxer prior to his boxing career, and with some he was okay. Yeah, that's why. I wasn't sure if he was a boxer or a kickboxer last week, and uh, he was both. That makes sense. Yeah, how about that? How about that? There's another one here somewhere about him. We'll pull up. Um, let me see. Oh, yeah, this is about Macho Man. Can't believe there could be a better feeling for a young wrestler coming up than being sat at a bar and having a freaking Macho Man put you over. From what I've heard about Randy as well, you probably would have loved that RVD noted his brother as an even bigger inspiration. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah that's cool. It was really cool. It was really cool. So I'm glad you jarred that memory for me, because it wasn't it wasn't like anything pivotal. Like like he gave me some information that I didn't have before, or, or you know, like I like like I um, like he exposed something, you know, groundbreaking. It wasn't there wasn't any any reason to uh, you know it didn't change me or anything. So so it was something kind of easy to to forget that it happened, you know, except for the fact that yeah. Macho Man was cool as fuck sitting there talking, <laughs> talking to me at the bar. Yeah. What um really stood out to you for Lanny Poffo? How like just his high flying ability? Did you catch it? Like, did he stand out to you as a kid? And did that kind of inspire inspire you to kind of do more of that stuff? Yes, yes. And it was it was his athleticism. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, uh, I I was drawn towards more of the high flyers than. Uh, than the big guy, but it all depended on the characters and, and stuff. Um, but with Lanny, he would do flying head scissors, uh, monkey flip, what became known as a, a moonsault off the second rope. And I hadn't, you know, I wasn't exposed to Mexican wrestling or Japanese wrestling. So um, I hadn't seen any of that. This was all like new and it just really made me think um, it was cool to to be outside of the box and to, and to, and to get creative. And, uh, and it was obviously entertaining to me. So it was all that for me. It was all, it was all just, just his moves. In fact, when he got his, uh, his, his, his moment in the, in the spotlight, you know, where, cause he usually wasn't 
pushed. He was an enhancement guy. Yeah. But when they gave him the gimmick and made him the genius, I'm sure for him, I'm sure that's the most money that he made while he was there and stuff. But as a fan, I didn't like it. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't inspire you to do poetry. <laughs> that, huh? uh, you'd be surprised actually at that. But that's oh, yeah? actually, well, no, that's actually just something that I used to do anyway. Like, oh, I, actually, really? I actually have some, something published in a, in a book from a contest when I was a kid. But I used to like for show and tell or whatever. I used to actually like writing, writing poetry. No shit. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. And, um, and uh, just the fact that he did it too was just a coincidence, though. And um, and you know I didn't like him being a heel. And uh, um, and, and you know, you know what was weird? Um, like when he when he was doing the poetry. You would have these little frisbees, and he would throw the frisbees out into the crowd, and it had his yeah. poem on it. Or you could go to the souvenir stand and buy a frisbee too. I had one with a poem on it. Um, I think that's where I got the word jubilation from. Like, what? What is that word? Jubilation, triumphant jubilation. I can't, <laughs> I can't get as deep as as Lanny's voice was. Um, but. He did that even when he was a jobber. I don't know why, but that was one thing that made him different because I would go to the dark shows that weren't on television and he would, before he even would have poems or or or, or say, have anything written on it, for some reason he used to carry a handful of little frisbees to the ring and he would like throw them out to the fans, you know, and I... I I don't know. It was just a little, it was a weird thing for uh, someone to do that's a jobber because he doesn't really have like a, a gimmick they're trying to get out or whatever. And it made me think maybe he's doing that out of his own heart, you know, maybe just a good guy and wants, you know, to make people happy or, or, uh, or whatever. I don't know. But um, that was something I forgot about too. The, those, those little Frisbees, even yeah. when he was an enhancement guy. Yeah. Did you ever get to kind of tell him that you, he inspired you in certain ways or inter have you interacted with him and stuff, you know, before he's yeah. passing? Yeah. I did, yeah. 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 Um, there was a WrestleMania where I was a guest and I was in the the box. And for some reason, I remember hanging out with him. Like, like we were sitting at the same table and we sat by, you know, on the bus ride over and all that. So got to uh, – um, conversate quite a bit with him that that day and uh, that'll stand out and after that then it was kind of like we knew each other you know but that yeah. out. that's awesome that's awesome yeah. all right uh oh this is about the barbie movie it says us wrestling fans are way too macho to comment on barbie so no comment <laughs> i think uh, he's joking but... yeah <laughs> i uh i still have yet to see the barbie movie but uh i've been hearing a lot of talk about it so it's been a very uh is it actually on your list it's on my list yeah um <laughs> i've been hearing like from some of my uh relatives and other people have been kind of panning it but i'm just like uh i like the tongue-in-cheek humor and you know i also found there's a balance of like some people get really upset about like masculinity and, and machismo and all that kind of thing where it's just like sure. yeah i get it to an extent but then also it's just like hey the times it's just like you got to find the balance of life and, and kind of like you know have an understanding for other people too Absolutely. Um, so yeah i'm still i'm very intrigued to watch it <laughs> yeah yeah man i haven't i don't know what the last movie is 
probably been to like two movies in seven years. Seriously? It's not, yeah, it's not something that I that that. It, I mean, I don't know. Maybe a, if I go, it might be like a like a premiere. Or if if my friends in it or something like DDP had his his um, uh, resurrection of Jake the Snake. I went to two different theaters uh, when they were doing the whole um, screening of it and stuff, you know, but yeah, normally I don't go. And I, and, and I was thinking, and we had this conversation, we're always like, why would people even go to the movies anymore? Since it's so easy to just watch at home and it's, um, it's, it's cheaper. Like it must be the novelty of it. Or, or it used to be like, if you're on a date, you know, what else are you going to do except for go to a movie, which is stupid. Cause you can't even talk. Can't even do, yeah. Yeah. Unless that's what you're looking for, you know? Okay, cool. Right. Hours and don't have to, um, reveal anything, but, um, but then when Katie was telling me that they were going to have all these souvenirs and make it like a big experience, I was like, Maybe that's what they're doing with all the movies now. I can I can see where that would get people to come out more if you have you showing the Transformers and you actually have you know like cool things at the theater you know on display or, or prizes or whatever. But um, but like we said though, they it was all hype. They didn't have any anything for that. But back to the uh, um, the actual movie and the content of it with with what you're talking about, I related so much to what they were saying about dudes ruin everything guys yeah. are gross i mean in my opinion you know what i mean yeah whenever 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 like uh somebody comments on like the pictures they see of our life on social media katie yeah. and a bunch, of, a bunch of babes all wearing almost nothing you know dancing or whatever dudes are always like bro you gotta invite me over to your house sometime and i feel exactly like they're trying to ruin the Barbie world, right? You know, trying to take it over and make it Ken world, and then all of a sudden it's gross and guys are burping and uh, telling, trying to impress each other, you know, with stupid lies. And it's just like I'm always just like, dude, I'd much rather hang out uh, with with a bunch of girls. It's like it's like competing a lot of times talking with with a with a dude because if oh, they say yeah. something, if they say something, it's hard to, for it to not seem judgmental just because there's another man they already have their opinion of what they're saying so it's a, it's a, it's not as open of a conversation it's weird i'm weird but i mean you know it's, it's like that I, if i shake a girl's hand no problem my hand probably even smells better afterwards if i shake a dude's hand i can't wait i can't wait to wash my hand hey, oh really yeah. yeah next time i go by a sink i'm washing my hand because this guy is probably wiping his ass playing with his balls it's a great point and, and then i got it out of my hand now yeah Damn it, i'm washing my hands more now too <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I'm, yeah guys are idiots man i remember tell, i told my ex before too i was like listen like because she was kind of you know talking about like guys and stuff like that i was like dudes are idiots they'll do stupid shit and like you just gotta kind of take them for what they are. They are sometimes, and you know they're dumb. You know, as a whole, men are dumb. <laughs> but, yes, I'm a, I'm a big I'm a big fan of uh, the other the other option. Right. <laughs> Wait, women. Just to be clear here. Yes. I know <laughs> yes. I don't know how many genders there are now. I don't want to confuse everybody. Right. Right. <laughs> uh, let's see what this one says. Women make everything better, though, and and that's you know, I believe that. So um, you know, I, I don't know how much, how, how often I get suckered by clickbait. I think we talked about that too. Like, just throw a hot girl in the thumbnail, yeah, and it's like, oh, this video looks interesting. And even though it's, 
even though it's about you know um, what kind of bird seed. Right. Is it? Uh, yeah, it's like. Damn it, she's not even in the video. They got me again. They tricked me. I'll still like it, though. <laughs> Save Barbie World. Yeah, I, I do. definitely want to see it. I definitely want to see it. Save, yeah. Well, you, you don't even know what I'm talking about, then. Now that I think about it, you didn't see the movie, so you don't understand. Well, you love Barbie World, though, right? The reference, Ken fucks it up. Oh, shit. Okay. I don't, I don't want to spoil anything else, but this is why... I'm not even realizing when I'm talking to you that you, you don't know the storyline, so you won't get the references, even if you can appreciate them. But, dude, and I love it because they, they treat Ken. There's so many inside jokes, you know, and they're like, but nobody cares about Ken. It's, you know, Ken only means something if he's with Barbie. There's no, nobody wants Ken by himself, you know. And, no, no. And, and a, lot of, a lot of that was, was really funny, too. But then, he, but then he takes it too far because he's jealous. And, damn it, if he doesn't bring too much masculine toxicity into the world that was perfect of all these just beautiful girls waking up being sweet and happy you know and hi stereotypical barbie hi neighbor barbie <laughs> i gotta see it i gotta see it <laughs> i'm gonna watch it again yeah why not yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> actually i think we do have a date for that uh i can't remember but it's not even out yet so she said something about going back when it comes out for the premiere or something so i think I, i'm gonna see it again that'll be three movies in seven years and two of them are barbie, two barbie two. <laughs> yeah. keep the streak alive all right okay like dan marino randall tex cobb is goaded as an athlete turned actor for being an ace ventura he was also an ace ventura and he oh, wow. also broke into al bundy's house i guess on an episode so. sweet okay man he's okay. got some cred going on yeah. And Raising Arizona is a really good movie. That's yeah, a really good movie. Yeah, I don't think I actually saw it, but I just know it's good because I remember it was a really big popular movie. A lot of people liked it, and what I saw of it was cool. Yeah, it's trippy, but it's it's like it's one of Nick Cage's uh, most famous movies, and it's by the guys that the Coen brothers directed The Big Lebowski and shit. So. Okay. Is Brad Pitt in it? Or? No, Brad Pitt's not in it. No. Okay. Um, yeah, that's Burn After Reading when he, with the Coen brothers. I remember he's in that one. That's yep all right let's see i was in the arena for a sabu oh this is about the wild fans so before i read this one that remember the fan you hit with the chair in the jerry lynn match at the end so his name is lenny apparently right yes lenny and so they the, i posted a youtube video about that segment and so they were saying i was at the arena for a sabu versus rvd match and they were fighting through the crowd and rvd picked up a chair and threw it at sabu's head sabu ducked and the chair smashed into my friend's head I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and then the That's other guy said, I remember seeing Lenny in the crowd in almost every ECW and WWF event in the mid to late 90s. My uncle and I would call him the Mick Foley guy. That dude was hardcore. So I always called him the Howard Stern guy. Oh, no. Is that? Yeah, that is yeah. the same guy, right? Always had yeah, the best. That's, yeah, he looks a lot like Howard Stern. We're like a lost <laughs> Ramon brother or something. <laughs> yeah. So. He yep. at least looked like enough like him to where we both gave him that nickname, huh? Right, exactly. Uh, so, oh, by the by, the way, this makes me think of a, a, another time in Philly at the arena when I was getting um, getting used to the style mm -hmm. and stuff. It, it what made it so different. I wrestled two cold Scorpio, and uh, and we were outside the ring um, on the ringside area, and uh, I, I can't remember how 
this was initiated, but a fan held his own chair up. Uh-huh. It, was like, it was like, Scorp, Scorp. And he held the chair and Scorp grabbed my head and slammed my face into the chair while the fan was holding it. Like what kind of um, fan interaction experience is that for you? I know that's like top level stuff. Yeah. You <laughs> probably charge an extra fee on that ticket, you know? Yeah. You know, pay a little extra and uh, bring a prop. Bring a prop. See what happens. Um, how was oh. it working with Too Cold? Like, did you like him? And did you kind of, oh. he was, I mean, a pioneer in a lot of ways too with the, how, what the athleticism he did too. Yeah. Yep. For sure. Um, when I first saw him in WCW, mm-hmm. I thought that I thought that he stole my moves. Really? Because I never seen anybody else do the um, the one and a half. Mm-hmm. What do they call it? Not, um, 360. Oh, I don't the know. 450. You know? They do the 450 splash. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what. Yeah, I'm one and a half, I guess. Is that right? Uh, but I never seen anybody do it before, um, and. Uh, and then he was using that like as a finish. I always missed with it because I, I would kill somebody, I think, you know, with that momentum. But um, I had sent a demo tape in to WCW like not long before I saw him. And I was like, man, they, they gave him my move. You know, they watched it. And then it, what? They're not instead of hiring me, they're, they're giving my moves to someone else. Like that's what I thought at first. <laughs> But then I went there very shortly afterwards. You know, they hired me anyway. So I was like, oh, okay. It's kind of wild to think that, like, because that's how all you would see it by was via, you know, tape or anything like that, or if you catch it on television. And, like, you know, so that's what you would go to think. I remember I might have said this on the podcast before, but I remember um, Billy Graham. I heard the story about Billy Graham was watching television and saw Dusty Rhodes on TV. And he was like, he's stealing my gimmick. And that's the first time you saw Dusty Rhodes like kind of cutting a promo like that. And sure enough, like I mean, oh, wow, yeah, Dusty pulled yeah. from him, but I mean, like, still, like, that's what how Billy Graham would think about it. But it's like across the board with you guys back then too. Yeah, yeah, and really, I mean, it's crazy that I could come up with some moves that are original anyway. When you think about it, you know, the fact that wrestling's been around for so long is the same you know, four-sided ring with three ropes. So so to me, um, just the fact that I was able to amaze people and uh, and, and do things that nobody else could do or, or at least give that impression, that alone it was not an easy task. So, you know, there could have been people doing 450s all over the world and I wouldn't have known, but um, I still don't think they're doing – well, now they do split-legged moonsaults, but it took forever before someone even stole that. You know what I mean? And, right. And um, and some of my moves, anyway, like that. Like the Van Terminator. Right. I mean, oh, you mean the Coast to Coast? Did you know I was creative? <laughs> yeah. Coast to Coast, that <laughs> one. <laughs> um, yeah, no, because, like, you, you look at it, and uh, John Morrison, we mentioned, like, several podcasts ago, like, he adapted it, but he changed it a little bit, too. But, yeah, it was like yeah. – you know, uh, and some of the stuff that you did, I'm watching other older matches and stuff, and I still don't see that getting done. Like certain, yeah, and probably, pretty much anything probably is taken and pulled from something else, right? Just, right. Yeah. I do a suplex, but instead of this way, I'm gonna float over while I suplex and you know. Yeah, yeah. Suplex and cartwheel while I'm halfway through, and like boom. So yeah, that's it's all everything's an adaption of something else. You make it your own though. That's uh, what you try to do as a wrestler. Like, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, 
Um, okay, so uh, like I said earlier, we'll, we have a lot of Ask RVDs this week. We have no wrestler spotlight. But, Rob, I do got to ask, as usual, did you watch any wrestling this week? Um, this week, it is a negative. I wasn't able negative. to. Wasn't able to. Well, I don't know if you caught wind, but somebody we talked about last week in Jungle Boy, you praised him, gave him, said you were impressed with his work, his heel work, and his ability to cut promo on the mic and make it look easy and stuff. Um, he was on Dynamite this week, and he cut a little bit of a promo on uh, the FTW title and the ECW guys. Like didn't call anybody out by name, but Taz was on commentary. And um, he said, I could walk circles around all you guys back then and stuff. <laughs> and then um, Taz was jawing at him a little bit, but who came out? But uh, your buddy Jerry Lynn. And he uh, cut a little bit of a promo on him. And uh, the two challenged one another to a fight next week. So. What? He challenged who? He challenged Wait. Jerry Lynn. And Jerry accepted? Jerry? Well, he was ready to fight him right then and there. So he was like... He wanted to go right then and there. And Forget then, about next week. Let's settle this right here, right now. <laughs> Dude, Not, he came out and he cut, he cut a bit of a promo like that, basically. But uh, Jungle Boy used the excuse. Now, he said he wasn't dressed for the occasion. I think you could kind of fight in what Jungle Boy's wearing there. Couldn't you? Couldn't you fight in that kind of garb? It's just gym shorts. Yeah, I, I think he could. Yeah, I believe he could go. I wonder about he Jerry, was, though. Jerry was in je- jeans, man. You know, yeah. just wearing a pair of Wranglers. I think he would have been ready to roll. Give him a cradle pile driver. Things would have been fine. I was. I tried to talk Jerry out of retiring when he retired a long time ago, and uh, and I I just remember like I was like really bummed, you know. But we hadn't wrestled each other in quite a while, I guess. And then we had a match in uh, TNA. Mm-hmm. So this is like 2011 ish, somewhere around there. I kind of remember that, yeah. And, and I loved working with them, you know what I mean? And, and this was just like everything else, an adaption of everything else, you know? Like, this, I think I'll do a Van Terminator um, into the ladder, into the steps, into your head, or whatever we did. But it was um, it was, it was a good match, obviously. But, but I mean, I enjoyed it, and I enjoyed working with him. And I was like, man, come on, are you sure you want to retire? And, and um, one thing that was funny uh, was he quit going to the gym, and he told me he – wanted to make sure he was committed and in and, and, and retiring. Like I always say, when wrestlers retire and they wrestle more afterwards, it, it takes the meaning out of retirement. He thought so too. And he was like, because I'm not even allowing myself uh, to like get in shape or anything. Cause he said, I might, I might start feeling good and trick myself into taking some more bookings or whatever. And so, <laughs> and so, he, so for the first time, Jerry's wearing a shirt during the match. Cause he never did before. Right. He would always wear the pants and, um, and this time, you know, he, he wasn't into showing his body so much. And I remember like through the whole match, every time I get a chance, I'd reach up and I'd like try and pull his shirt up. <laughs> every time he'd be like, he'd be like, knock it, damn it. Knock it off. <laughs> dang it. Would you stop? Ah, that's a horrible Jerry Lynn. Anyway. Um, so, I don't think I don't think Jerry's gonna want to fight um, Jack Jungle Boy. Well, Jack Perry. But something's supposed to happen. Oh no, he challenged him the next week. Jerry said, "Like right here, right now," and then uh, nothing happened. So nothing that's happened. Right, cool. 
Mm-hmm. So we'll see what happens yeah, next week, I guess. Indeed. Mm-hmm. You never know what could happen next week. Keepers. I tell you what, this picture, he looks pretty pretty good shape. Jerry looks a little uh, ready to roll, I'll have to say. Also, um, I think this is proof that a Jungle Boy watches the podcast, obviously, for bringing us so. up. And- you know, you know, a guy like you puts him over and then he wants to run you down. I think that's a little, little lowbrow, if you will. A little lowbrow. Somebody mm-hmm. should do something. I agree. I agree. Well, hey. People wanted you to do something with uh, several wrestlers over these past few weeks. They've been saying about dream matches, and I kind of made it an ongoing trend to bring up one of the names that people put in the YouTube comment when it came to Mike Awesome. So uh, last week we had Macho Man, and it charged up some memories. Uh, the week before we had Bret Hart. Uh, this week we'll have two in a roundabout way. So one wasn't on the on the YouTube comments, but it was a suggestion from YouTube Chris, so I'll throw it in there. First one, though, was in the YouTube comments, and it is none other than Kurt Henning, Mr. Perfect. Did you work with him at all, Rob? Yes, I did. Did you see? I, th- I thought, I remember, was it in WF at some point? when he WWE, was I had one match with him, and it was like in 2001 because it was, um, they, they, at that time, they would still redo something. If right afterwards, um, if they thought they needed it for the uh, for the for the footage, you know, yeah. And so this sticks out in my mind because I think it's probably the only time this happened. But I'm in there with 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 Kurt and something I don't I don't remember. Like maybe maybe he ran at me in the corner and I backdropped him and uh, and he went to the floor and I did like a cross body something like that. I, I remember jumping out on him or whatever. And then um, and then. Um, very short afterwards, the cameraman somehow missed it. Bam, we're doing it again. It's the same thing. Like that, they used to do that, and they and they and they changed. But that's how I remember that match because that was so weird. But I know I've heard stories of like wrestlers like that uh, would go out and have a match that was kind of crappy. When they come back to the dressing room, they'd have them go right back out, do the do the whole thing again because they needed. A good match or, or whatever and it's like that that's just um how the business has uh changed wow wow yeah. yeah and i remember hearing stuff about that too now when that happened in that instant where they were like hey you got to redo that spot kind of thing did it come across as almost natural in a way could you guys pull it off in a natural fashion where it wasn't like super deceiving the crowd or did it look like obvious to, to the live crowd that was there i mean it wasn't – I don't think that it stuck out as being totally uh, – like it didn't fuck the matchup or, or, or anything, but mm-hmm. you wouldn't have to be the most observant person to be like deja vu. Yeah, like, right. Like it was like they did just, the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they did the same thing. I don't know. Basic thinkers I'm, they probably completely missed it, you know? Yeah, yeah. When I, when I watch TV, by the way, mm-hmm. I can't watch the previews. Because I'm already going to see it, so I fast forward. So when I, whenever I put something on TV that I like that I record for my uh, gimmick, I'll like um, I, I fast forward like as soon as it starts, and and I just say, "Give me the title card." I'm just waiting for it to say, you know, whatever it's going, you know, um, what's the um, body cam, you know, because then I know that everything after that's going to be fresh. But first, yeah. they give me like two minutes of showing me what they're already going to show me. 
And then, but I think basic people, when they get it showed it the second time, maybe they don't remember. Cause I'll notice sometimes I'll be like, that, that was a, di- you know, th- there was a different cut at the beginning. Like the, the conversation was actually different because once in a while that'll happen where they have like a, a different take that they show on the trailer, you know, but yeah, yeah. For enticement. Yeah. Yeah. But otherwise it's like, you already know the conversation that's going to happen. So, uh, you know, sometimes I'll try and say it with them, you know, just for a laugh. But uh, it, for me, it's like, um, come on, man, I can't watch it twice. It's wasting my time. It's not productive. <laughs> right, right. I got, I got things to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, did you have any kind of out of the ring interactions with Kurt? I know he was a big river. People say he was one of the greatest rivers going on. Him and Owen, a lot of ways. Anything to that effect that you can share, or anything with Kurt? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm not a fan of the ribs. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, probably won't be that surprised. You know, although, although depending on what the uh, basic thinkers uh, get from this, this might end up changing in their mind to RVD used to rib everybody, you know, because I, I, I did, I did, uh, I was around when the, when the guys had the, uh, the gimmicks they put in the girls' drinks to knock them out and stuff. So we already found out that, that me and me and Tommy were guilty of, uh, of, a lot, of all that back then because I was, you know, anyway, I'm tired. I'm not even thinking straight. But what I wanted to say, <laughs> I'm not a fan of the uh, uh, of the ribbing, but um, um, but being around it, you know, like I was, uh, there was a time, not a not a good rib at all. I mean, Sean Stasiak um, and I were riding together, mm-hmm. and um, Kurt always had it in for Sean. Like he always like treated him like like a young brother that he didn't like or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of likes in that sense. But Kurt used to wrestle with Sean's dad. Right, Stan, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he always gave Sean a hard time, ridiculously hard, and Sean resented him for it. We're somewhere in a very small airport. We've flown there. I think it's international. I think we're in Canada, possibly in one of the territories where there's little islands like Moncton or some shit like that. Um, and the big luggage cart was brought with all the luggage to the front of the airport. So everyone could grab their bags after we landed mm-hmm. the airport's so small. They just went from the back of the, all the way around the building to the front and Sean got his bag. And then he started uh, helping the guy that worked there unload the bags, just, just being a good guy, helping him. Yeah. Taking all the bags off. And then he turns around and his, his is gone. And man, he looked everywhere for that up and down underneath every single rock. It was a bag that had his uh, video camera in it. He said there was also his, 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 his um, credit cards and, and stuff like that too. Driver's license, all a lot of personal footage that he said was um, mm, what's the word when it means something to you? Cause sentimental. sentimental. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I tell you my brain's only on uh, 50% right now. All right. A, <laughs> That's why you used to have a co-host here. Yeah. <laughs> I can come Thank you. Um, <laughs> he said there was a lot of sentimental footage on there and, and, and Everybody knew that Kurt took it, but he would never, ever admit it. He was so committed 
and um, it, it became uh, a bit of an issue. I, we went to the building, and after the matches, we had to go back to the airport. Me and Sean did, um, so he could try to look on security cameras and, and and try to find this this missing bag. Nothing, never, never showed up. I remember Earl Hapner talking to Kurt Henning and said, "Come on, Kurt, damn it! Like I know you took the bag, man. Just where is it? Just we know it was you. Quit, and it was on God." I, Man, I swear it wasn't, man. I, I, I wish, I mean, I wish I knew. I swear, I swear, Earl. And, and very, very much like we talked about last week with uh, with the Bret Hart documentary. Right. When yeah. uh, Martha was like, you knew about this, both of you. I, I swear to God, I wish it. Isn't that crazy? Like when people be like, I swear in my kids' lives. Or, yeah, right. Like, what the hell? People got no problem. Uh, no, like, oh, man. Bullshit. Yeah. About it. Oh. But anyway, um, he never would admit it. He never even. Nothing, not not even budge a little inch and say, you're getting warmer, you know, and he looked all, Sean looked all over the airport and in the trash, of course, and uh, that it was just gone forever. He never found it. Oh, he never and got it at all. There'd been footage of his dad, you know, probably yeah. on that video camera. Um, and that was always special to Sean because he lost his dad at a very uh, young age and um, really like anything about being like around family and stuff like meant a lot more to him and what a fucking dick thing to do yeah that's yeah that's unfortunate like and especially too i mean not only the sentimental stuff but even the simple fact of being in like just the stress of traveling and carrying it with you and then like just losing it like i would be fucking flipping out like and now you're in a different country, and you gotta, yeah. you gotta go to the um, what is the Embium? Um, oh, the embassy, embassy or whatever. Yeah. To get a new passport, all kinds of all kinds of crap. And how is that funny? I mean, I don't personally. I don't think if someone uh, shits in your bag that that's funny either. No, <laughs> you know, no. but, uh, but um, you know it just really gives someone a lot of work to do and puts their life on hold. And for what? Mm-hmm. For, yeah. For what's the end game to that? You know, it's like the playful ribs with Owen. Remember I hear like him prank calling his dad and certain shit like that and voices and stuff. I thought was funny, but there's like some of them are like, Oh man, that's, it's a little too far. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I mean, you know, if, it, if it's funny, then Hey, we had one rib that, uh, that I remember doing that uh, I thought was hilarious. Um, but we were on international tour in um, um, Ireland and, and with that AWR group. And we were at some truck stop and they had a, a blow up sex doll uh, at the counter, like underneath the glass counter, like where you pay. Uh-huh. And, um, she ended up on the tour with us. And and so <laughs> the boys had a lot of fun taking pictures of her yeah. different locations and stuff. And uh, Gangriel had a casket match, uh-huh. and I was like, "Oh, dude, we got to get her in the casket." Can you imagine? But not not too early, like right before they go out there, so they don't have time, you know, to to see it or whatever. And he opens that up out in front of everybody and in my mind i was thinking like we gotta get some helium so she could like float up to the you know um we didn't have helium but we got her in and 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 we were we were spying on you know like 
you know, try not to draw attention. <laughs> and it's like his match is coming up. You know, I'm like, oh my god, yes. And then I think it was Sabu's wife went by and she had to ruin it by opening it up and taking a picture. And then and then uh Ann, the the our babysitter lady, you know, went over, they were pissed. They didn't think it was as funny as I did. <laughs> <laughs> they were they were not pleased. Oh. But I just I I still I laugh now. Look at me laughing. Right. I still think it was funny. No, Gillian would have been better if she would have they'd open up and <laughs> <laughs> but she got abused on the trip anyway so yeah yeah <laughs> she needed a night off for that one time i guess yeah. <laughs> yeah. all right so the other spotlight is kind of an interesting one you kind of talked about it before on an earlier episode but uh you mentioned it uh hulk hogan was wanting to make you the face of tna he said and um Back in the day, like mm-hmm. you, you mentioned too that um, y- he would have worked as the heel in this match. You know, if you were to have like a sort of dream match with him, how do you think you and Hulk would have complimented one another in the ring? Because you guys are pretty close too. I, you know, I happened to see a, a video that you had about. It, I think it was last year for New Year's Eve. You were at his beach shop, right? Was that? Yes. Yeah. I almost, yeah. I. Mm-hmm. I was thinking it was Katie's birthday, but they happened to be the same day. Oh, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> How about that? Because I looked back and I was like, oh, there's Rob with the Hulk. Yeah, he was having like his uh, his shindig there, the New Year's Eve match. Yeah, I'm sure the match would be awesome. You know what I mean? Uh, and get both of our best stuff over and make it mean a lot. Man, watching him in the Rock at um, WrestleMania 18 – and just like that would for me, like um, like I want to go back and rewatch it sometimes just because it was like they they the way that they were controlling the crowd and just getting the reaction that they that they wanted was just like so superior. That's how, that's what it felt like when I was there. The Sheik told me when he was training me one time, he said uh, one day. I must have asked him a question. How do you, whatever, but he, I don't know. But he said one day he says, everything's going to click and uh, it's going to be like, you're just pushing buttons. You want the people to stand up. You can really make them stand. You want them to sit. You want to make them sit down. And I was like, wow. Wow. And, and I think about that right now when I think about how uh, Hulk was with, with the rock. Cause I remember them. And I didn't even see a lot of that, man, but, but they were like face to face, and just there was so much excitement, you know, and it was like, these are like the two biggest stars ever. Holy crap. And, uh, you know, it was just like all that would take is like one of them, like, you know, just like turn a little bit to, and look at the crowd or whatever. And it, it was it was like pushing buttons. It was amazing. Oh, man. Yeah. And, you know, that the moment and the electricity in that arena, too, is in Toronto. So uh, that Canadian crowds are always hot. Plus, it's WrestleMania on top of it. And then you add the fact it's Hogan and The Rock. It's just yep. like. All those elements coming into play, and then both knowing what they're doing, you know, uh, you know, Hogan's has so much experience with handling a crowd like that that he knows exactly what he's doing. The Rocks, you know, grew up in the, the business, so it's just like, damn, like those electrifying. There's, there's a reason those two guys are two of the highest paid wrestlers ever. Right. You know? Yeah. 
So, no, you guys could have added something really special, too. It's just like the contrasting styles, but you guys both know how to work. It's just, man, that's that would definitely be something. So. He might have complained that I was a little too snug. I don't know. Maybe maybe a little bit. But, you know, I just heard a story. It was somebody said, who told him that? Oh, Kurt Angle. Yes, that was what it was. So he worked with Kurt Angle. And I think he went backstage after he first worked with Kurt Angle. And he was like, that Olympic guy is pretty snug, brother. <laughs> he told somebody that. <laughs> so I think it would have been, you would have been acclimated to a little, a little easier, maybe. <laughs> so. Oh, I, I do remember one time at Universal Studios greeting him in the afternoon, you know, like, uh, you know, what's going on, brother? Um, I gave him the, the fist bump. Yeah. They, um, and he was like, Jesus. Because <laughs> I did it really hard. And my hands are like really hard too. I don't know why, but they're, some fans said that my hands are like cinder blocks, you know, and they, <laughs> and, and I don't know why, but I used to think that was the, the way to do it, you know, just bam. And I had to, after, it was after that that I learned, you know, like I need to pull back on my fist bumps. But he said, literally. <laughs> he followed, yeah, he said something about, um, yeah, I don't know. I think he said something too, like that I was hard as a rock or, or something, but um, something that made me think that he was saying, um, brother, I'd hate to be in the ring with you. <laughs> but I don't think he said that actually. No, it would have been good stuff, Rob. I would have liked it a lot. Um, Damn. Boom. Jeez. Yeah, the fist bump. Uh, it took me a little bit to get used to too. I did. I had to. I didn't have to pull back, but uh, it was just something to get used to a little bit. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we talked about electricity and matches and stuff like that. And uh, Chris actually picked out a really good one that very much exemplifies that for you this week. I wish I was able to grab a screenshot of your singlet. I didn't this week, but um, it's one of your most uh, famous singlets. It's the tiger stripe. So um, it took place in 2001. This match, um, Jerry Lynn. No, we already talked about Jerry Lynn. Already talked about Jerry Lynn. So, this happens to be WCW Invasion with Jeff Hardy. Yes, yes, yes. I did with the tiger striped outfit. Mm-hmm. And I tell you what, you want to talk about like you were talking about that feeling that you were getting with Rock and Hogan. This added the vibes to it for this, awesome. like, because like you know what, Jeff Hardy comes out. And well, even before that, like you're establishing yourself as a heel with in the evasion angle. That was my first. I think that was the first pay per view, right? Since since I got there, I think us. so. Yeah, because yeah, everything was starting to cook off here. I think um, there it's was like we'd only been there a couple of weeks, and so mm-hmm. either way, for me, I know it felt very. Um, um, I was gonna say like it made me feel like established, so that at least the office would realize that even though I'm new here, everyone already knows me and loves me. You know what I mean? Right. Like I felt like I felt that I felt like, like, cause you know, they're, they're not afraid to, uh, to deny. You know right. I mean? No, no. Uh-uh. Revisionist history. So to speak. My, yeah, my friend, um, I have a friend that goes to wrestling shows and I, fr- I wouldn't know this if he didn't tell me, but before their shows, they still play the, uh, me, they have a, trailer for one of a kind um the peacock like, documentary yeah yeah and he said every time you know the crowd's going rvd and i'm like i would have no idea if he you know but that's um but 
you know, when I say they would they would deny, but you know what I mean with that. That's where it gets political, like where they don't have any any RVD shirts or, or plans or, or whatever. They or they don't notice that everyone in the building has an RVD sign. I used to like it when they would be just as blatant that the, the fans as possible and say, "I paid to see RVD." I have a sign. I love that. Yeah, <laughs> I would love that and not be like, "There's no way they don't see that." That's right. Felt like they didn't see it though, meaning the the office, not the you know. No. When when I feel underappreciated, <laughs> I'd be like, "Don't they know? Like, why am I putting?" Um, I want to say Les Thornton, but no, what's his name? Uh, Les Lex Les. Uh, dude. What's that? Dude. No, there's a there's a young. He's not. He's, oh, a younger guy. Yeah, maybe my age-ish, and he was, like, really jacked. Um, Lance Cade? No, he was, this guy was Luther Reigns. Luther Reigns. I was yes. so pissed. I, dude, I went to Japan uh-huh. with WWE, and that was, for me, like, that, that was a very crowning moment because I'd already come up wrestling in Japan. They saw me start wrestling there when I was 22 and saw me, like, rising up getting better and all this and now i got to come back a bona fide star on wwe's big show you know and and i was so stoked and then they and then they tell me that i'm putting luther reigns over oh oh there was it was times like that that just like you couldn't have smacked me in the face with a harder with with a bigger insult you know and because he couldn't and i mean nothing against luther but Hopefully he would even understand that, you know, he definitely was, they wanted to push him a lot more than, than, than he deserved. And, uh, and that's, that's the thing. That's how it would feel like, uh, I would feel like they got this new guy that the agents, just the right agents to talk Vincent to get behind him and they'll stay committed until they're not committed, which I do respect that, but man, they'll put him over everybody and they'll be like, Oh, this really doesn't work. And they'll just get rid of the guy, fire him. It's, it felt like when they would do that, that we're left, you know, picking up all pieces of us ourselves up off the mat, you know? And it's like, dude, do you realize what you just did to me in that experiment? You know, and they're probably just like, oh, it's not going to hurt him. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know what you just made me do. <laughs> <laughs> I hated that. That felt like it would come around a lot, though. It felt like momentum, momentum, momentum. They insult. They hate me. They don't get it. They don't get me. <laughs> they, don't, they don't know the fans like me. Somehow they're not noticing. <laughs> they were, they, there's no room for people in the business anymore that aren't really good. Also, though, I got to say that that's my opinion. Like the whole standard of TV wrestlers is so insanely higher than it was back then. There was always room for a few guys on the card that, you know, everyone would be like, oh, my God, they're the shits. But it's kind of hard to be the shits and have a job now on TV. You have to have that bar of like good athleticism to be able to pull shit off. And like, you know, it's yeah. And like the, the next level is being able to show up personality to yourself and who you are on on television it's like so yeah the bar is very high already but then you have to go above that bar too to even stand out sometimes now dude i'm high already (laughs) are your lungs okay though dude they're crispy right now (laughs) just crispy straight up (laughs) kfc (laughs) (laughs) all right so yes this uh pay-per-view it was, yeah, this is your first pay-per-view match in the WAF. It took place on July 22nd at the Gund Arena in Cleveland, Ohio. 
He challenged Jeff Hardy for the hardcore title. And actually, this was the only title on the line that night, was this title. So uh, the stakes were high. A few days ago, we... Hardcore title, right? Hardcore title, correct, yes. What did you think of the hardcore title? I love it. Did you? I was insulted by it until I got it. Uh Uh-huh. And that was because I felt like they were making fun of us in ECW because we had this, in my opinion, superior art form making wrestling cool to people that aren't even wrestling fans, like something like, you've got to see this. And and, and obviously I was a big, uh, propo- uh, you know, <laughs> big uh, proponent of it and, and always will be. But then I would see uh, the hardcore title match on Monday Night Raw or whatever. And in my opinion, from that, competitive state of mind i thought they were making a joke out of it the it i thought it, and you know r.i.p crash holly but yeah. it it kind of it pretty much meant the hot dog stand is going to get tipped over they're gonna fall in the pit of balls in the kids area like that's the hardcore match was something to laugh at it's stick a plunger in your face and and for me, I had a lot of pride in it. So when I was the hardcore champion, well, guess what? Now all of a sudden, the hardcore title matches sometimes are the best match on the card. Right, yeah. That can be subjective, but to the people that enjoyed it, continuously, the best match on the card, I even main evented. And I know they didn't want the hardcore championship to be a main event on their shows. And uh, so what they do, they got rid of it. Yeah, I was making the belt mean too much. Yeah. Oh, man. And it was fun. I mean, like when, yeah, guys like you and Jeff Hardy, and you had that like amalgamation of both legitimate WWE stars. There's that word again. Amalgamation? Yeah. Yeah. Amalgamation of legitimate WWE stars and the ECW guys that came in, and then you fighting over it. It it made it feel so important. Like yeah, and it was kind of neat to see like some people like a Steve Blackman come in and mix it up too and get in, in yeah. uh, involved on it. And it's just like, dude, this title's fucking badass, and all the other ones right now. <laughs> That's what it felt like for sure. Yeah, um, I think when I was main eventing some of the house shows with the hard- hardcore. Um, strap. I think it seems like they were doing like maybe three shows. I think they had an A, B, and C, if I'm not mistaken, for for like, which is probably during that time period, mm-hmm. because you know I wouldn't have done like RVD versus Raven in Valparaiso, Indiana, could have been the main event, but not if The Rock and Stone Cold and Triple H were on the card. You know what I mean? And we had a lot of star power then, but they were doing that many, so up to three different shows in different towns on the same night so that was that's the only time i think in my career where we were that busy and doing doing that much business yeah yeah oh my gosh it was such a time to be a fan too at that point because like all that talent on on one roster was like insane to think about it's like and i I think it was on the road dog show we were looking at like an old card from the attitude era so it was like just a fucking house show in somewhere like indiana or something and it was just stacked. The main event was like Austin and The Undertaker. And it was just like you had all these other huge ass names yeah. underneath it. You're like, geez, how do you miss this show? Right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. 
So a few days ago, we just passed the 23-year anniversary of this match, apparently. At this point, you've only been in the WF for a few weeks, like you said. What anniversary did you say? So this is the 23-year anniversary since this match happened. So of what? Of this match. I, I don't know if oh. that's right. Maybe it's the 22nd because it's 2023, and this took place in 2000. I get, I get what you're saying, though. Yeah, yeah. Move along, you, please. Yes. <laughs> as, you were, as you were. As you were. <laughs> You've only been in the WF for a few weeks at this point. Talk about those for a few weeks with you in the company. Were you happy that you decided to go at this point? How were you getting along at this juncture when you were first acclimating yourself to being in the WWE like this? Well, um, the, it, there was a lot of good feelings, and there was also some frustration mixed mm -hmm. in there politically uh, initiated and, and, and um, the politics were something completely new to me. Yeah. Yeah. And something that, yeah, you weren't, you weren't a fan of either that, you know, it's just, it's a whole it other element there. Yeah. I get it now. I mean, at least now I still don't want to politic, but I understand how it just naturally has to be part of the process because I get the bigger picture where that's um, I'm not it, that, you know, some people are going to have influence or want to influence other people. Why wouldn't you, you know, and then all of a sudden, it, it, you know, you're being cheated out of something and it feels like so, uh, so wrong and competitive and, and, and wrong reasoned and all this, but I get it, you know, Right. But yeah, so when but when I was there, I was adjusting to that, and um, and also just people trying to put their stink on me. I was like, everyone wants to change me. Like, did they not hire me because of who I am and what I do? And and, and it's it it takes an ego to to because you now. Now to me, what that sounds like is is like I thought I didn't have room to improve or something. You know, everyone, we all got room to improve, and we all could listen to someone's advice, even if it's you know, to for different reasons, whether we're going to take it or we're, we're going to use it, you know, as a um, as a backdrop for our own feelings for a little value check, or 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 we just it'll confirm our opposite feelings. Sometimes I'll be like, I'm glad that person said that because now. I learned a little bit about me and that's that I definitely don't feel like what that person said. Like that person's feelings and values are completely different than mine. And I thank you for that little self-learning experience. Right. Yeah. So you learn either way from it. it happens all the time. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> it does. Everyone's a teacher. Sometimes it's no, not, not to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So a lot of people might not realize this and I didn't either, but this match was uh, actually a rematch between you and Jeff. You've, Two first wrestled on Raw in your first ever Raw appearance in May of 1997. Jeff was only 19 at the time, so he was like an enhancement talent. It was just a squash squash match with you quickly, easily going over. Do you remember this at all, Rob? Yeah, when he looked like um, Vanilla bon Ice. He was. He looked like John Bon Jovi. I think. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, I think maybe maybe it was Jerry Lawler that said that or something. Maybe I think. Yeah. Not sure if you want to be probably, but uh yeah. Um I you know, I worked with him one time, but it must have been after that. 
It must have been. It had to have been. Like you but mean, I don't, think, I don't think people know about this match, though, because uh, I, I bet you too, Chris doesn't even know about this match. Oh, really? Um, which, by the way, I, I was looking for something specific, and everyone's always told me, oh, cagematch.com has everything. Go there. I went there. They didn't have They didn't have it. No. But it wasn't this match. It was something uh, I can't remember right now, and I don't want to go into that rabbit hole. Um, ooh, are you watching um, – the Playboy bunnies down the rabbit hole. No, what is that? <laughs> I love it. Oh, it's a it's a show like Playboy Murders. They're in season two now, but it's uh one of the shows that we watch every week. But that one is filled with playmates, gorgeous. But they're talking about how how it was living in the mansion with half big orgies on the bed and all this, and and also you know everyone's got like their own stories of what they went through. Some some of the girls went through a lot of um, you know you know, pressure driven anxieties. And uh, some of them were drug and raped and some of them are like, I had a great time. You know, some of them are like, you know, that was always cool to me. I, I can't complain. I mean, that was the time of my life, you know, but most of it's more about the drama. Um, yeah. But anyway, anyway I, I said, I didn't want to go down a rabbit hole and I went down a fucking went rabbit down a fucking playboy bunny hole. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I don't know uh, if, if you do, Chris knows, but one time, and I'm sure this must have been the time that I met Jeff, which must mean it was after, unless I actually wrestled him before that and forgot, mm -hmm. which I don't think that happens. You know what I mean? But one time, Sabu and I wrestled Matt and Jeff Hardy. Yeah. And, okay. Well, here's. Oh, so I think it's on here. I think YouTube Chris has it, believe it or oh, not. Oh, man. I got to see. I got to quit talking smack. Now, let's see. Let's see. Okay. I'm about to read it right here. It was an indie show, like in North Carolina. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Here it is. Then on February 11th, 1998, Greenville, North Carolina for ASW. Yeah. If I could have just been patient, kept my mouth shut, I would have got oh, all the... You know what you did? You assumed. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> made, made an asshole out of me. <laughs> <laughs> so you and Sabu defeated the Hardy Boys in what could be considered a dream tag match. Okay, Rob. Hey, Chris asks, any memories of this match? <laughs> Very uh, few. I remember, like, I was just meeting them then. I think that Sabu already knew them or one of them, maybe even wrestled with them. So I think Sabu was kind of like, oh, you know, yeah, these guys are good, but they but they steal all our moves. <laughs> they want to be us. And they they want to be us. And they're doing like all our moves. And I was like, what? Are you serious? And um, I, I I think we did. It was hardcore because I, I think we either maybe a table, something off of a table, or it seems like there was a, I don't know if there was a garbage can or, or lid, something weird. Um, and, and that's, that's all I remember. And the place was really, really dark. Like right now I'm trying to, trying to remember the match. And I just remember being really dark and us being out of the ring, like on the floor and stuff. I don't know why, but I, I feel like I might've like, um, potato Jeff with a garbage can lid or something. I don't know. Very little memories. You said this was 98 and it was, so it was after, oh, so so the Raw Invasion was 97. I don't remember. Raw, yeah, the ECW Raw Invasion was in 97. And then the Hardys, I don't think, the Hardys must have signed later on with WWE for a long time or something like that. They must not have been full-time employees at this they got point. signed really young, right? Yeah. I think. Yeah. Really young. 
yeah, Jeff. So when you do this match against Jeff at Invasion, he's only 23 years old. So he's wow. yeah, so he's wow. still pretty young at this point. Yeah. Um, what was I gonna say? Oh yeah, you mentioned that somebody asked you about like uh, on Twitter about like you ta- like hey, I'd love to see you and Sabu fight the Hardys, and you're like that already happened. When you yeah. said that, I thought it was like later on, like like 2014 or something like down the line. You guys had a tag match, so when we may have, I don't yeah, know. I don't know either, but. I think I remember um, us in Japan, maybe 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 a six man. Hmm. But yeah, so it was kind of neat to go back and see this was actually took place in like right in the beginning of the Attitude Era, basically. You know, so yeah. kind of damn neat. All right. So when you got to the WWF in two thousand one, you were surprised with the pro. Were you surprised with the progress Jeff made since like? wrestling with him and stuff like that as a talent here like as a hardy boy he's kind of he's really catching fire too at this point um how'd you kind of feel like going into this working with him at this point do you have any memories of how he kind of was then at that juncture um yeah i loved everything about working with jeff from hearing the lineup, you know what I mean? And seeing like, oh, sweet, I got Jeff tonight. And just everything uh, is good and, and similar vibe. And I didn't know he was that young. That makes sense in a, in, a, in a different way now because now I get why he always seemed so giving and trusting and, and where a lot of times someone's ego, you know, will, will – um, kind of filter put up a bit of a block almost yeah or yeah you know like i i hate giving you know talking about how the business works and stuff so i'm trying not to be too specific but just um but i always thought you know like he was always very willing you know like in 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 ways where if he was younger and and i knew that he was already watching me and looked up to me but i still don't i never like um assume well i do sometimes i just did but i was gonna say i don't i don't like uh, assume that people necessarily respect me i mean now it's becoming a little bit more apparent like honestly just at this age or something like more than i i'm I'm feeling like 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 who can really say that i didn't earn at least a position of you know but still you know people seem to try to knock you down like but so but nobody's uh, you know beyond uh beyond reach when it when it comes to basic thinkers wanting to help fix you right (laughs) (laughs) but jeff would have anyway um it's i wasn't like like you know like trying to uh put something together in a political climate it was more like he was excited you know looking forward to going out there and fucking crushing it that makes sense too for his time and the type of person he seems to be too. It seems, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, in the few months before this match, he beat Triple H for the Intercontinental Title. I remember that. That took place on SmackDown. Then he lost it back to him a few days later. He then uh-huh. beat. Speaking, of, his ears must be burning today. It's Jerry Lynn. He beat Jerry Lynn for the lightweight title. And then, twelve wow. days before your match, he beat Mike Awesome, another guy we were talking about for the Hardcore Title. So. Ooh. Yeah, so really set the stage uh, and some synergy going on there a little bit. Synchronous. Yeah, how about that? 
Yeah. So I want to ask. Those sound like some good matches too. They do. They sound like really good. I want to go and find that uh, Mike Austin match for sure. That Triple H match he had was really good. The crowd was super hot for that one. Um, they watched that, I think, on Matt Hardy's podcast. Anywho, I wanted to ask you. Um, you got called out to the ring, and uh, it was by Howard Finkel. So I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on, did you kind of make a mental note of that moment when Howard Finkel? Because, like, you think about who he's announced, you know, in the ring, like Andre and all those stuff. Did that? Did you kind of make a mental note of that at the time, or did that feel kind of special to you, getting your name announced by, uh, by uh, Howard Finkel? I honestly don't remember. You don't remember? That's okay. Yeah. yeah. I just thought it was pretty cool to kind of think about that. It was like, I haven't heard Howard's voice in a while. So when I was watching the match, I was like, oh, man, yeah, that's kind of neat. So. Yeah, I'm sure it was cool. Um, would that have been the first time, though, that, that Probably I Probably not. Probably. I wouldn't imagine. I'm sure you had some matches before, you know, uh, maybe all like on Raw or SmackDown at that point. Maybe you had a couple or something. But There was a ring announcer in uh, Orlando for uh, IWF, Eddie Mansfield's um, promotion there at Universal Studios. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dino, I think his last name is like, is it Puglia? Hmm. Dude sounded exactly like Howard Finkel. Really? Yeah. And and so um, that was who Eddie used at the IWF shows. And it was so cool because that was his whole gimmick. And it would be like, uh, it'd make the, even though there was some crappy indie wrestlers, you know, having that in itself gave like a very professional uh, appearance and, and, and vibe. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, this definitely added to the element and the it, like. When hearing Howard's voice, I was like, "Holy shit!" It's like shout out to Dino. Ooh, Dino, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> so, did you and did you and Jeff plan any of this match or what you wanted to do exactly? Did you guys go over anything, or was it more just like? Yeah, like there's a lot of similarities about what makes a great match with you guys, it seems. But like, did you guys talk about this at all beforehand? Or anything that what way? I remember is, uh, did I whack one of them with a chair? Yes, you hit like, Matt Hardy like, with a chair backstage, Matt- <laughs> and then you were like, you like fucking slammed him right in the back with it, and then you took a swing at Jeff, who was like sitting by like a like a set of like you know metal boxes, and you hit the boxes instead. He like moved. And you're like, you're next. And then you ran off. Wow. <laughs> it's <was> pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's, that's how we prepared for it. I guess. That's how that's it. That's the, well, that's the best way to prepare. Get the adrenaline yeah, kicking. Yeah. You're ready to roll, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what? I remember, though, um, when I do remember what it felt like knowing that it felt like WWE was getting behind me, you know, and really giving me some time to go out here and show what I got, you know, and 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 so I think even them say telling me that there was a um, a segment before the match, even that felt good, like like <clears throat> like they're actually like wow, they actually care about and are you know promoting prepping. You know that this match, and they and, and wow, they must they must have enough confidence in me to have some decent expectations. I remember what that felt like. Yeah. So, yeah. so of course, when we went out there and had that kick-ass match, I knew that uh, I delivered. We both delivered. 
you know, at least what was expected out of us. There was some particularly, particularly memorable moments in the match, you know, that, that, that stuck out, still stick out. Oh yeah, I know. It's it yeah. was. There's some really good moments here that happened. I think too. What was kind of neat was commentary. Uh, Michael Cole and Jr. were on the on the call. I couldn't hear that. Couldn't hear that. But no. uh, when I was watching it and stuff like that, it was kind of neat because they're obviously painting ECW and WCW as invaders and like in the heel role, so to speak. So uh, you're likable to the fans, but the fact is, is like you're still acting heelish RVD too. So it's like that kind of good play of like, oh man, this guy, you're supposed to not like him, but still I kind of like him. And then Jeff Hardy's already just like this ultimate baby face in so many ways. So it's just like that kind of neat contrast. And plus you have these two worlds colliding finally that people have been wanting to see like ECW, WCW, all that stuff. And so like just the element of this whole thing going into it is pretty damn cool. And just that own. I'm pretty damn cool. Right, Rob. Right. I agree. <laughs> I agree. No wonder people like me so much. Right. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Pretty <All> right. good. <laughs> so yeah. let's uh, talk about the differences between a WWF pay-per-view match and an ECW pay-per-view match. The time differences, the match planning, agent stuff. Did anything get mucked up or were they, they had enough kind of confidence with you and Jeff at this point that you kind of do what you do and i'm sure you were saying though people were really trying to you know cut india and make you them your own kind of thing you know so how was that going into you know uh, um if i understand the question i don't re- remember anything about um talking with agents or or or, or any of the that that kind of like any of the out of the ring business parts of uh, of the day, I don't remember that. Um, yeah. But um, I, I remember what it felt like when, like I said, everyone was trying to put their spin put on you. Yeah, and so I asked Sabu about that, and he he was just telling me that that they're gonna they, that that I I don't need to listen to any of them, and that I Sabu would told me that I was so good that everybody wanted. To be able to put their their smell on me, so that they could take credit and say, you know, that you know, ride with me and and, and have that. That's that's what he told me, and and I remember that, you know, because he was my mentor, and uh, and so like uh, he, him, and Sheik. When Sheik was around, it was great to have someone that you could go to when you needed to have questions or whatever. And it's like this dude taught me, you know what I mean? So. You know, a lot of people don't have that because they taught themselves from watching TV. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, did you? So there was nobody because obviously Sabu wasn't in WAF at the time, and then you know. Um, so did you have somebody that hey, you, wasn't he um, part of the? He was part of the invasion, though, right? When well, he, he came in with the ECW, I think later on. I don't think he was in, in this initial wave of ECW, WCW. I think it i i particularly remember you and tommy dreamer for the most part you know as the big ecw guys and i'm trying to think just incredible was there i remember um, yeah i don't think Sabu awesome. was there. Awesome. I wonder where awesome. he was. Yeah, yeah i don't think he was to be honest it's interesting i wonder uh i wonder why i know youtube chris knows i wonder yep. if he was maybe he was because it was 
I think he was pretty busy with New Japan, but I don't know if that was the same time or if that would be why. But oh. uh, yeah, who knows? Yeah, who knows? Because he, I mean, he would have fit right in there, like with you guys at that point. Jeez, some of the matches could have been. I different. know he had already had a tryout and ended up turning them down or whatever. Probably already had himself a little bit of heat already. Oh, maybe yeah, maybe more. So that's it then. So. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Okay. So this, I, I completely forgot. So I remember you obviously had your breaking point theme, uh, one of a kind. And then, but you had like your first entrance music here. That was almost just an instrumental of what, uh, breaking point turned it into. Uh, do you have, did you have any input initially in your music going into W or was it just like Jim Johnson kind of like scribe something up that kind of fit your vibe, so to speak, if you will. And did you like the initial theme too? I, don't think I had any, um, not only, I mean, I don't even think I approved or even maybe not even heard my music the first time. Oh, really? Oh, but I didn't like it. I didn't like it. Um, I can't really say why, but I, I, I didn't, I guess because I, I, I really wanted, uh, walk, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I thought, like, we could do that because Paul did it, put it on TV, you know? Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Um, but so I remember um, talking to Shano about wanting to change my music, you know? So sorry to whoever that original artist was, you know? Sorry I took that from you and didn't mean to insult you. I can't remember why. I just didn't like it. And I probably only heard it, like, over the speakers in the arena. I don't. You didn't go out of your way and like. I don't remember. Yeah, I, but I just remember like specifically. I just wanted walk. Right. Well, yeah. So that's. I'm sure that was my, my main complaint against that music. So I talked to Shano about it, and and uh, and I was telling him like you know uh, Paul paid Kilgore to do a cover of the song, so we got that. I think we own that, and and uh, he he. He asked me, uh, I think I had, maybe I went and got it and brought it to him. I remember him playing it over the, from the truck, playing the music for some reason. Um, but then he, he was like something about, um, you know, we'll, let's pick this up next week. Yeah. Came next week. Goes, I want you to come on the truck. Um, uh, I want you to listen to this. And it was, one of the kind. And, uh, and I was like, what happened to walk you know yeah yeah <laughs> and 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 he was just like i think this is good you know and i was like but it's not walk <laughs> but yeah it's not it's good but it's yeah, not walk. <laughs> so i felt that way about the second song too i just didn't i didn't understand you know like why why did we do that and he said and, and he told me that he had um this guy that had a band i don't know i don't remember the details but i think shano told me that um that he had them do the song. You know what I mean? Like, I can't remember exactly what he said, but I found out from the actual band, they told me that they actually wrote that song for me. And I had thought that it was just maybe something Shano liked and decided, or or even owned with the library of music and decided to place it with me. But uh, they told me that um, that they actually wrote the lyrics with me in in, in mind and stuff. And so I was like, oh, well, that's that's really cool. I'm going to listen a little uh more intently now and um and like really you 
there's a look in my eye or what do they say that <laughs> no what do they say there's a the fear I see I, your eyes you that look in your eye makes you believe i'm one of a kind one of a gun yeah so i don't know i don't know if that did that i guess that's a second person fear in the eyes yes i think so me i'm the fearful one well <laughs> i think so i think the original was jim johnston that wrote it and then he they made adapted the, it then he did the muppets i thought that was the muppet guy the muppet guy oh jim jim henson yeah he was part of it too okay yeah he had fozzy bear uh play the violin on there i think um hey, played by chris jericho played by chris exactly we tied it together <laughs> <laughs> but uh let's see so before the match, okay, yeah, we just talked about this. Matt Hardy hit you with the chair. Um, yeah, so Rob, then uh, you came out to a big pop at the start of this match. Oh. Big time, big time. And um, what was kind of cool, too, is I took note of this, is like once the match started, like you could hear the crowd che like cheering for you. And then like when Jeff Hardy got in an offensive mood, you heard the decibel change. So it was like the kids and the girls were screaming for Jeff Hardy. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the whole the whole guys behind you like wanting to kick some ass. So it was like the another kind of contrasting thing that was going on in the crowd, which is neat. But both both you guys were over. Nobody was booing like either one of you guys at this juncture. So. Yeah, kind of that's awesome. Pretty cool, man. Make me make me want to throw it in my uh, DVD player tonight. I recommend. By, it. by the way, I, I just I would never do that, but. Um, <laughs> YouTube Chris took all all of my I don't know if it's all my TV matches yeah I guess that's what it is from ECW yeah and put put them all on DVD for me and every once in a while he'll 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 bring it up and you know I'll be like did you get a chance uh, to watch that anywhere and it's like dude I don't even have a DVD player <laughs> that I know of yeah like have the hard copy at least <laughs> <laughs> that's it I I have like all of the video games that I was on in WWE, but they're still wrapped in plastic. Like I didn't play you never them. Never opened them. That's so great. Right. But I, I like to have them. It's cool yeah. to keep that kind of shit. So. Oh, hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. So let's see. You were obviously the most popular man in ECW history, but obviously. obviously. Sure. But WF tried to bring you in as a heel, like we talked about, as a part of the Alliance. And you were technically the heel in this match. Now you have experience being a heel in ECW at this point. And, you know, acting like this. So what I kind of made notice of in this juncture was that you, like, were really, really, like, you were feeling it at ECW, but it seemed like you were really feeling it here in WWE at this point, too. Like, you were, some of your mannerisms that you were doing were just, like, more cocky and kind of just feeding off the crowd in a lot of ways. Um, did you have to make a point to think about that in certain ways? Like, okay, I got to act like a heel even though I'm super over? Or was it just like, I've been here before, this is just a bigger crowd, and... I'm RVD, baby. That's, was that kind of where, where your head was at? <laughs> uh, I I don't I I don't remember exactly, you know. But I mean, it's um, I'm sure I knew that I was a heel. You know, I was having fun with it. It's yeah. always it's always more fun in in, in certain ways uh, to to be a heel. Um, and I've always fucked with the referees and I love doing it, you know, as a heel, but, uh, there's, there's, there's things that, um, you could just like have, have more fun with it. And, you know, a really good heel is entertaining because, uh, some of the stuff that they're doing makes you pop, you know, and it starts with 
thinking about way back in the when I watched wrestling as a kid, like Iron Mike Sharp, you know, they would they would jab somebody in the throat and then like and then like have their have their back to the referee, you know, and the and the referee's like, let me see your head. And you know, and they they just keep moving it or they'll put it put it in their pants, you know, and then let them and then, you know let them check and I'm like pull it back out. We're like, oh hey, hey, no, look now, look now. And you know, it was just it, the keep it going and going, you know, and then the referee would keep coming back and what? But I just checked them. Yeah, look, what do you want me to do? Check them again, check them again. And but um I, I you know everything is a uh, a little uh takes a pull off of something else. Like I'm gonna take a, a drag off this doobie. But um one thing a little insight I'll share with you. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've told you this. I loved fucking with Justin Gabriel, the ring announcer. Oh, Justin Roberts, you mean? Justin Roberts, yeah. Who's yeah. Justin Gabriel? Oh, that's, yeah, that's uh, the, uh, what's his name now? Dark. Oh, yeah, Wolf. Dark Dark Wolf. Wolf or something. Yeah, yeah, Dark Wolf, something like that. Yeah. Well, I, I love both of those guys, but um, if you you could, I'm sure you could watch this if you went back. If you went back and watched uh, on the camera when Justin is my ring announcer, because um, I would just like when I get in the ring, you know, Lillian Garcia. Oh no, they wouldn't be on the same. Uh, they have the same job, but um, when uh, I when I'd be in the ring, get in the ring, and they, when they were doing the announcements in the ring, um, you know. Boom, 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 whatever. And then um, sometimes we'd be on commercial break. I'd go over to Justin. Even if we weren't on commercial break, though, I would just start the most mundane conversation with them. Yeah. As if we were sitting, you know, on a bus beside each other or whatever. You know, <laughs> just, I'd do my spin. Yay! And I'd make my way over to Justin Gabriel, you know. And then I'd be like, dude, can you believe the grilled chicken that had a catering today? Man, we're lucky. I mean, think about it. Like, there's people in other parts of the world that never get to eat like we do, like every single day. And um, and then like, but I would purposely keep the conversation going during his announcement and over it. <laughs> yeah, because it because soon as because like like if we're on commercial, uh -huh. then I would know, I would I I'd, I'd know like when the camera comes on or whatever and see it in him he's he's waiting for his cue either way but it is you know and then when he get his cue you know and, and then i'd he'd be like um you know ladies and gentlemen or whatever he would start doing i was like oh dude how fucking rude am i like that like, you just gonna interrupt me like that chicken man let's talk so, about yeah, it. yeah and uh but when i first started doing it his eyes got like so big so big uh one time he couldn't believe because i was up there just saying hey what's going on man what uh what do you, you are you busy or uh, you know? <laughs> but you, yeah, I used to watch for that. If you ever, um, I'm gonna keep my eyes peeled now. I always did that. Always will. Hey, yeah, keep it keep it alive. It's tradition. Let's see. Yeah, at this point, the fans were seemingly into this match, like feeling it. Do you take like a note of that in the match? Be like, all right, I I can basically do no wrong here, or is it just like? Is this one of the most memorable parts of the match? Oh, one of the most memorable parts of the match that you guys fought were at the top of the stage. So this is a really cool part. Is Jeff had a chair. You were down on your knees and you were begging him off. But then you hit yes. the Van Daminator and he fell off the stage. And that was a Boom. Really cool Eat that. Take that. Jeff heard it. You were definitely leaning into the heelish aspects of things, but it was just uh, very well balanced, I felt, too. So 
Speaking yeah, of that, no, too. It, but it's it's all about being connected to to the crowd. The like, just like when I do when I go up on stage to do a, a comedy thing, you know, like I did last week or the week before. It's on. It's in. It's on my on YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. Um, an hour before I had to leave the house, I wrote my set. You know. Did you? And, no shit. Yeah. And and but I'm popping myself like in my in my you know and I'm like that's pretty funny you know work stretch it a little bit develop it whatever you know but um but it's 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 like that with it with a match as far as like visualizing and then getting feeling that connection to the reaction thing of what you just did and then it's gratifying when it goes just like or better than it did in your head you know and then and it's 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 a very similar process so. It was this sucked during COVID wrestling in front of no people, like in the studios and shit. Yeah. Like oh. TNA in Nashville. Like it, it was so hard to get into it. It felt like I was just working out in a, in a wrestling school in the daytime, uh, you know, or something. And like it was, it was, you didn't have that connection, obviously. So that was definitely missing. Oh, God. Yeah. Like even going back and it's hard to even go back and watch matches during that time because it's just like, man, you're missing such a, big element of what makes wrestling fun is the crowd too you know so even even the jeff hardy versus rvd hardcore championship match of 2001 wouldn't have been the same in front of an empty fucking building with black walls hell no hell no man this is uh, like and what i mentioned before it made me remind it remind me so like you were turned your back to the crowd to the hard cam and you were like doing the rvd part but then Jeff double drop kicked you before you could finish it. And I was like, oh, my God, he's going to get booed. But he didn't get booed. Like I said, the decibels just changed. And the, the girls and kids were cheering for Jeff. And, like, the crowd was still over for you, too. So it was like, dude, these both these guys are, like, fucking hot right now. It's just, like, yeah, it's just really, really a cool match overall. One, um, uh, you just reminded me of a very cool moment in my career. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily at this time. But it's very it's very related because I was I was gonna say that's one of the coolest uh, chants that that I heard from the crowd ever was um, both these guys both these guys and uh, first time I heard it was I was wrestling um, John Morrison oh yeah an indie show I think New York somewhere and you know of course we're both fucking awesome so you know because they would do. RVD, RVD, you know, and it died, and it died down, and then it would be like Joe Mo or whatever they call it, yeah, yeah. Johnny ASW or whatever the fuck it was. Johnny ASW. <laughs> but they were, you know, out there in both of us, and, and then and that was the first time I'd ever heard them break out with both these guys, both these guys, and I was like, oh, that's- <laughs> you like both of us. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. All right. So the finish saw Hardy climb the turnbuckle but miss a swanton bomb attempt. When you rolled out of the way, you slammed the hardcore title down on his chest and hit a five-star frog splash for this pin and the hardcore title win. So how do you kind of rate this match for you, Rob, overall? Did you, like, in your echelon of of matches, I guess, your many matches that you've had, memorable matches, to say the least? I was trying to think of of if this moment came from this match, but I don't think it did. Because, no, because the match, the moment I'm thinking of the whatever championship was hanging from the ceiling. So it was a ladder match for that? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, where Jeff trying to get it, and I went off the top rope and on the corner, and I just jumped back, and I thought I'd be able to kick him doing this, uh, just this double leg lariat, because because uh-huh. I've been doing that. Like I would crotch somebody on the top rope, and then I would I would go to the adjacent corner that they're facing against. Yeah, and I would jump up like springboard and I would go back and do like a, like a l- double leg area. And like thinking back, like there's like, all it is, I mean, I'm jumping back and there's like no way to, you know, to, to even control my fall or, or how I'm going to land. Like, it's crazy that I used to, that I used to do that, but, but I would work on getting more and more air. So I would crotch them further and further back, go up and springboard. Bam, and, and so um, I really thought, cause I got so much, distance and air that way that I could get Jeff if he was like hanging from the belt in the, and you know, it's, it's only halfway across, you know, that's what I was thinking. And I, and I remember going up there and getting uh, only air. And then um, I remember being asked, you know, like, what, what were you, you know, what were you going for? And I was like, I was trying to kick him. Like, what do you, <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> Didn't quite work out, but um and then Jeff, I guess he didn't know what to do. So he was, I think he ended up hanging there and like falling or, or something. But uh, um, learning experience uh, for, yeah. for so I never tried that one again. <laughs> it's all about experiment, man. Yeah. Uh, the uh, What I thought, there was a lot of really athletic aspects of this match too, where it was just like, and you made, you and Jeff made a lot of stuff seem seamless, like. There was a, a moment where the big ladder was on the out. So there was a ladder in this match, but it wasn't utilized for, you know, what you were talking about. But yeah. Jeff was climbing it on the outside, and then you would just leap up on the second rope. And I'm just thinking, like, how difficult this was kind of doing because you were shaking the ladder to get him off of it. And you were still keeping your balance on the second rope. And then what you ended up doing is pushing the ladder. And then I was trying to think, I was like, is there a table that's going to break Jeff's fall when he falls? Because he's, like, going on to the entranceway. And here, there's no fucking table there. He's just like landing. I'm like, holy shit. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so it's just like, wow, the thing Jeff did that stuff and still sometimes once in a while does that stuff, not as often. But then, yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah. you remind me of another uh, bump in this match where I'm out on the apron and, uh, you know, bent down for his shoulder and he comes over and gives me a sunset flip power bomb to the floor. Bam. Um, that one, when that's one of those ones where it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely gonna feel a hundred percent of this just like it looks. Right, just <laughs> like it looks. <laughs> no, no tricks to it. Bam. There was another neat moment too, Rob, where you guys were fighting in the crowd, and you leap left onto like, it was like a guardrail, but it was almost like a thinner guardrail, and like. It took just a second to catch your balance, but it was like amazing how you just like stood there and then you moonsaulted right off of it because it was, I mean, because it's not like your typical thick guardrail that you'd usually see. It was like something a lot thinner. And I was like, holy Isn't shit! It, yeah, I, I think that's yeah, that's the one they used to use. That was instead of metal, it's like um, it I don't was know, like, black like thin. Yeah, it was like a thin, almost sheet kind of thing. I think from what I remember seeing, and it was just like. Like to be able to do that, I was like, "Holy fuck, Rob!" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. Wild. <laughs> They've changed the look so many times of what they yeah. do now. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Finding new ways to put lights on and all this, like the apron. 
like when the, the digital apron that was already that was done after I left like that, yeah. that so quick. Uh, I watched one time I saw on TV. I was like, whoa, when did they start doing that? Like someone got just there a few months ago and I didn't know they they invented that since then. Right, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it looked, it looked pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty neat, neat little aspects and like changes that they made. Some of it's like, you know, I, some I always miss like the huge ass sets that made the pay-per-views kind of stand out and stuff like that. Because now all they have is like the big, huge Titantron screen or whatever they want to call it now. But it's like that's the whole big ass. But I make sense from a production standpoint because you want to save money and stuff. So. Anywho, um, overall, like, would you where would you rank this with your matches with Jeff? Like, is this number one, would you say, for you and Jeff on your list? Or? I think so. I think it's pretty damn good. As far as I remember, as yeah. far as I remember, it was the best one. I always liked wrestling with him. You know, had some shorter matches, some longer. This one seemed to really, uh, like I said, give give us time and, uh, and the environment to be able to go out there and really show them what you got. It's the correct showcasing uh, to – exploit our talents 100 percent, man yeah yep. it's like you and jeff it's like you guys got like such kind of cool like cool personalities in your own way that you're you're your own unique person but then it's also like their styles are like in ways similar but they're also different it's just very much uh you know peanut butter and jelly almost in a long way so like, <laughs> a big fan Rob, big fan all right awesome time for some ask rvd a little bit let's see i wanted to, this was an interesting one someone asked you know what i need to do what take a huge puff of a doobie and hold my breath and you time it and we'll see how many holes i have in my lungs from all this marijuana where they i mean i'm sure i'll eat away at i'm only gonna be able to hold my breath for four seconds look That's at it me. I, I have full confidence. Well, I in here, bro. Bob, I'm going to say it's only going to be two. Two seconds. Yeah. But that, that guy will say that I'm cheating and that I'm really breathing through my nose. So right. never mind. Not a good idea. No, I don't. Listen, you don't want to play into his games. I'm doing the pool. Right. <laughs> Let's go to the pool, man. You want to go in the pool? You can't stay at my place, but you got to you gotta leave after. But we're I'll holding bring, I'll just. No, I'll bring the laptop. <laughs> yeah, there you go. You'll, oh no! I guess then I could cheat and like come up somewhere off camera. Unless you put the whole pool in it. Look, like show the whole thing. Bam! Get Rob. Damn. Big toe splash, and, and then just time it until you see my head pop up. I like it. What All what's right. the deepest your pool goes? Um, it's it's not deep. Maybe five feet. Oh, that's it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I want to swim. So, before I so rudely interrupted you. All right. All right. So this is an interesting one. Brad Wise, 09, on Twitter asks, not sure if allowed, but any thoughts on the writer's strike? As someone who's very level-headed, I'm interested to hear your thoughts, if any. Do you have any thoughts about the writers or the actor strike? or What's your thought on it? I have some thoughts, yes, and it does affect me. You know, I do some work in in the industry. It's not usually like a huge part of my business, but but I usually have projects that are talked about, that are developing or, or whatever. And I, I happen to, for some reason, had uh, at least four, I think maybe, maybe um, a couple that, 
on top of that, that didn't follow up that, uh, of people hitting me with projects, mm -hmm. um, movies. Yeah. And then bam, can't work now because now everyone's on strike. And, uh, so even if I was to do the movie and just not give a fuck, then I'm a scab. Then I've, yeah. I mean, union, um, and strike striking. I mean, obviously the only power is in unity everyone being together and so obviously if someone crosses the line then of course you, you know that works against them but just that's just like uh just like the rat in the mob family that's feeding the information to the cops like it's working against the family causing all of their plans to be unfoiled and it's a, it's the same thing right it is the same thing yeah don't want to cross the line you don't want to do that um, but, but as far as like, you know, do, do I think it's fair what they're asking for and this and that? I mean, you know, our listeners don't know nothing about that anyway, yeah. but he does. I mean, he was asking about it. Yeah. So um, I think uh, it's going to cost a lot of money, you know, just being shut down right now. Hollywood <laughs> being shut down. And uh, and obviously that's the idea. That's that's what you want is uh for to 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 do some damage with your with your movement um um but man they're talking about you know some of the actors rights and uh, and like what what our intellectual properties are in, in, territorially when it comes to artificial intelligence so like yeah. I mean, it, it seems like theoretically, but this isn't, I don't think what it's mostly about that, you know, you, you could, as an actor, you, you, you could sign away the rights for them um, for very, very low pay for them to just recreate you and then not need you anymore. Then so, not need you. Yeah. They could just have somebody else kind of play you and then AI fucking put your face or whatever. Or your AI will play you. Yeah. Yeah. AI will play you. And, then what, what was the other thing that they were talking about too? That was a big bone of contention. Uh, shoot, just like the matter of um, yeah, just like a lot of like these actors that you know don't. You're, you're kind of thinking more about the actors that you don't see, like the background scene guys that are you know SAG and all that stuff. It's just like you know directors, you know yeah, everybody. I mean, I talked to a director friend of mine, and he feels you know like that um, they should have compromised because I guess they were willing to. To, to come a long way, but the actors then, you know, said, we're not going to settle, you know, yeah. boom. And um, I, I would, I get these emails like every day from Ann, Ann Fresher or Dresser. Sometimes even a phone message, a recording, and it's like, uh, hey, uh, <laughs> it's Nanny. When it's I, nanny. No, yeah. <laughs> but, no, because the other aspect too was the streaming was a big bone of contention was the streaming. Right, right, yeah. Make revenue. It's a wild. It's such a wild business now. Like with all that, how it's all changed. You talk about like not going to see movies. Like you can watch shit at home, and right. like how stuff gets like series gets canceled even though they're good and Netflix, but it's a matter of subscriptions. It's all man, what a mess. Right, but, but you know, like at one point, like actors didn't even get paid royalties, so that's why they gotta, you know, do things like this to make it uh, to make it better. You know, yeah. can you imagine? Because royalties, they man, sometimes they just pay forever, and, and I mean, I I, I still get it, it's it's like thirteen cents, but I still get checks from uh, doing 
um, Pamela Anderson's uh, VIP. I think that was in 97. <laughs> you know? And they really triggered that, but I still get it. Like, they still, like, imagine, like, all the different people. Imagine what Pam's getting. You yeah. know what I mean? Right. Like, imagine, like, an actor that's had, like, 20, 30 years of just kick-ass top box office uh, attractions and, and, and sales, and they got a sweet deal because of who they are and stuff. And imagine just how much money comes in just from the old, old stuff, you know. Which, by the way, WWE pays royalties. Uh, um, I've heard some of the guys say that they had problems getting them or, or whatever, but but there's there's a lot of stuff on there too that's previous work, you know, pay per views and stuff that now they're packaging and whatever. But um, so that's that falls into the same. Uh, category as far as like you know getting paid for for past work and and, and the residual compensation so it's a it's a big part of um of of the deal of of the um of the actor's um you know life and and, and, and business is is residuals and it's a lot more streaming now i guess and everyone's got their own platform right so new platform uh i got hit up by three three different platforms in a day wanting uh you know if i wanted to you know do some content stuff with them and on their channel it's like well how will people find you like how did how did how do people know about um domino dominic's tv uh right. <laughs> i did call it i did i'm setting up my own streaming service guys rob yeah. trying to get rob into it <laughs> dominic tv <laughs> yeah but um yeah so anyway that's uh my thoughts okay we'll do one more and then we'll, let's get to our videology uh, all right, Rogue Five Entertainment, Mike uh, MF. He's like, why wasn't there ever an RVD Shane Douglas fuse? Was it Clash of Styles, or was it more so he was injured and the stars didn't align so much? I think it was more that. Yeah, I think uh, I have been in the ring with him um, a couple times, at least once. You know, definitely not often, um, but. I do remember for some reason I was hurting a bunch of guys at this time. <laughs> um, it wasn't long after I kicked Stevie Richards and, and broke his orbital bone, you know, and uh, same match. I broke Stevie's orbital bone. I also broke my own wrist in that match. Oh, shit. Here's a little piece of trivia for you, dude. Before this night, before this night, I was doing the frog splash, but I was doing it different. Oh. Yeah. I used to jump up high as I could, but I would arch my back. So, like, if you see all Japan footage, I'm up there. Like, if I do a cross body, I do, like, a really pretty arch because I'm awesome with my form and shit. Yeah. Um, I would do the cross or the or the, the splash like that. And then when I would come down, boom, it was so much force, um, I broke my wrist in the same match. Uh pinning Stevie after I busted his face. And anyway, I had a cast on for <laughs> not nearly as long as I was supposed to have it on, but I had, <laughs> yeah. but I had a cast and it was like my, the fingers and my thumb were cut out, but I, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't like move my hand. And I, and I remember being in the ring with Shane could have been a six man, could have been a single man. I, I don't know, but but I remember I went to just grab him like this, you know, just from the front, just grab him, uh, hold him on the back of the head, and my thumb just went straight into his eye because of my cast. Bam, and uh, 
And at the time, I didn't realize how serious it was. You know, like me and Sabu were like, <laughs> you found him in the eye. That's hilarious. But but then, he, you know, he was fucked up with it. And it's like a, uh, a scratched cornea. They even had a, a hospital term for it and stuff. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, but um, after that match with Stevie, I stopped doing the arch and I started, bam. Mm-hmm doing what we now call a five-star frog splash, and that was because I needed to protect my wrist. Did you know it was because you were arching that your wrist got fucked up? I must have, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I got to know if somebody maybe told you, like, hey, the reason that uh, happened was because you were, okay. okay. No, I guess maybe also, maybe I couldn't do it that way without my wrist hurting after I broke it, maybe, oh, maybe. while yeah. I was healing. Because mm-hmm. of course I didn't give it time to heal. That that match with with Shane, my cast also got broken off. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And by the way, my wrist is is still fucked up. God dang. Yeah. Man. But not just from, that, just from that. From that, but also that on the top, but also underneath um, from a match I had with Dory Funk Jr. in '93. Man, yeah. So it just compiles up. He's like they say, it ain't ballet, Rob. You know. What they you want to see? You want to see? I'm gonna show you how far I can bend my. And I don't know why I'm showing you this. I'm mean, not. I already he's a superhero. I don't know why I'm showing them my vulnerability right now. But um, wait. Uh, okay, they're they're straight, right? Yes. This is me putting my my hand up as far as I can. Really. This is my range of movement right there. That's all I can do. Wow. That hurts even like right there. Really? Oh man. It hurts, but my forearm makes my forearm tired and it's weird. But but anyway, uh that's why like I gotta do push-ups on my knuckles because I can't fucking <laughs> Yeah. With the wrist. Back handsprings too. Bam, I do a back handspring in the ring or the running, um, the roll thunder where I would do a round off and do a backflip on the guy or whatever probably fans didn't notice but i always got my knucks on at least on this hand for sure sometimes i would do this if i needed to have a little balance or sometimes do that you'd always do it ever since you broke your wrist or you kind of got learned you learned no i my my wrist quit bending yeah oh okay yeah so you had to <laughs> yeah you just had my will yeah my whole career <laughs> I'm, i'll keep it up all right Rob, guess what? You know, all kinds of secret info now. You, you know to look out for, for, for this. And uh, you know to look out for the Justin Roberts. Justin uh, Roberts shit. Pre-match, pre-match convo. Yep, I'm, I'm going to keep my eyes peeled for that for sure. He's up there and he's like trying so hard to do his job. And I'm going, dude, you got to see this girl behind you in the third row. Oh, my Just God. You, around, saw Justin. you saw the girl in the red, right? Dude, what? Are you ignoring me? Bro. Am I, hello, am I even here? Yeah. <laughs> While he's doing his, he, you know, he got good at it to where he would no sell it and made it less fun. <laughs> still good, though. It's still trying to get, to get you know? See, that's the good kind of ribs. That kind was, of right, yeah. That's good and, then, and then I would shit in his bag. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the universe balances out. <laughs> but um, for some reason, I, I, I right back to the, breaking point when they told me that they wrote the song for me uh-huh. i did the, i did the music video with them and i was doing the same thing on there but now when i look back at it i'm like what an asshole that, that i was doing because like you couldn't hear what we're saying because of our conversation 
Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mothers, you get to hear music or whatever, but it shows us talking at a table. I'm supposed to be talking to them, challenging them to, to a drag race. Oh. As an actor, I don't really know how to get that a- across by talking to someone. Yeah. I don't know. But um, every single time, every time, and they would say action, and, and the camera would like come over. You know, I'd just be like, "Man, um, do you guys like meatloaf? The food, like Not every the food. every time. Like they probably laughed the first time. I probably made them laugh a couple times, and then, but then after a while, it was just like I didn't have any lines. Yeah. You know? And so, like every time, I was just trying to be stupider and stupider. And looking back, I would redo it differently. If I, if I had the brain and point music video to, to redo, I'd put a little more effort into it. So you just learn as you grow. That's it. <laughs> That's it. That's all we can do. Hey, it's time to learn now because, Rob, it's time to wrap it up. Wrap it up. All right, dude. Rob, I learned a lot with accountability. I kept that factored in this week. Um, and just kind of thinking about it throughout what my job is throughout the days, whether it's doing social media, whether it's writing about wrestling or whatever – it's just like incorporating what is expected of me and what needs to be done of me. And then, yeah, it's just like, and then not only that, not from a professional standpoint, but yeah, pers- personally wise too, it's just like you want to be held accountable for, you know, what family or loved ones or friends expect of you or certain things like that. So um, I think that's like the competitive one. I think accountability is always one that I'm going to really like grind away at, you know, because I think it's, it is very important, you know. Yeah, I like how the things that I talk about, it threads through the show always. That's because those are my values. So I just when I'm not doing the podcast, I'm saying the same stuff because this is just me. So I can't tell you how many times I I mentioned accountability, you know, like uh, I drank a little bit too much and I'm holding myself accountable for it. That's the that's the uh, (laughs) self-loathing part. But but, you know, a lot of people don't have it. And, and um, so it's like every day I talk about everything that we've talked about and a lot more that, that, that I'll get to, you know. Um, so one thing that um, because I hold accountability is um, an important value of mine. There becomes the question of RVD smoking weed because am I – a role model? Do I consider myself a good role model? I'm sure a lot of people would think I'm not a good role model because of the weed. However, um, I think a little girl with cancer that's allowed to use marijuana now probably thinks I'm a great role model in the way that I've done my part to help change the laws, to help change the world to a better position where it can help the people that really are important, not the prudes that are just like, well, I was taught it's bad. So you're dying. You know, um, the people that, that really can, can benefit from cannabis. That's just one thing that I, that I'm talking about, but I want to talk about the, the role model, what is a role model? You think about it. It says right there, what's the first word in the role model? It's a role. Just like any role, whether it's a casting for a film project or whatever, every role is going to have certain um, 
certain factors that, that you're going to have to meet in order to qualify for that role. So the problem with that, though, is that all the criteria that you're being judged by is it's completely subjective by people's values. And we already know everyone's values are different. So how can one person say that this person is a, is a good role model if someone else says, no, clearly that person's not a good role model? What does a role model mean to most people? Well, I think that a lot of people, basic thinkers, just have a preset notion. When they think role model, maybe they have certain people they think of. John Cena, great role model. Maybe um, maybe they think of their role models or they just think of a specific, something they were taught at, at school. Uh, well, to be a good role model, you, know, you got to be able to be around kids, whatever. Completely subjective. Obviously, I respect the way that I live because I talk about it all the time and try to share my values. I'm great at pointing out my own flaws too, too good at it. Um, but I do that to myself all the time. Um, and that's part of being a self perfectionist, which is the way that I attacked my entire career by setting high standards for myself. I still set high standards for myself and the way that I meet those standards makes me a good role model. Um, would I be a good role model specifically for everybody? Probably not. If uh, if you if you don't want your uh, your child to hear adult language, they probably shouldn't uh, hang out with me for for a few hours because I use adult language. Somebody, I think it was in a YouTube comment or somewhere. Somebody maybe it was on Twitter, probably. Probably. <laughs> um, somebody said, "Why do people swear?" Well, if they don't have your values maybe those words are just words to them and they don't have that silly filter on it or that stigma attached to it that makes them think they're doing something wrong. When I say, dude, man, great fucking job. Why did I say fucking? Well, it was a good adjective to use to, to add uh, to the good job, which was the uh, the subject of the sentence. I wanted to add an adjective to make it even more extreme because that added meaning to my compliment. Okay. So if I can explain that and articulate the way I do, that also makes me a good role model. I'm overly honest. If people don't like that sometimes. And I don't mean that, that I, that I'm rude in a way where I have to tell people stuff about them. I don't mean like that. I just mean, I pride myself in, uh, in, in the truth. And I, and I pride myself in, um, not letting bullshit come out of my mouth. And, and the more apparent I am of that, then the more I distinguish myself from the basic thinkers and the more I see the way that everyone else lives, which to me is uh, below or not. It doesn't meet my standards. You know, when uh, people are full of shit, when they lie, when they just, when they're just assholes, you know, for people, there's, there's a lot of reasons where I'm just like, man, their life is way different than mine. I don't want that person in my life. I don't want to meet that person. And, um, and, and everything's different for everyone. I want, you know, some, some people that are, uh, 
really, really dramatic. There's a lot of people that are dramatic and they're not necessarily assholes, but I'm not very dramatic. And, and you know, you're gonna give me a headache if you, uh, if you have to scream everything that you're talking to me and use big, huge hand gestures and oversell the, the most mundane shit that we're talking about here. It's just like, dude, can we keep it real? Because what you're doing is you're acting. You're adding on, um, and that's really acting. And it's it, it to me, it's, I feel like it moves you further away from the truthful foundation uh, that, that you are when you're consciously, consciously, um, that's a dude that wants me to do a movie part, but I'll call him back. Um, yeah, when you're consciously controlling your actions, you know, in, in a dramatic way, then, um, you know, it's it's acting and i'm not saying i don't act but anyway uh you know one time i was overseas and um me and sabu took a walk from the we were in the arena and we, we went outside to i think it was in japan but outside to walk uh around and, and, and to smoke a joint and i was smoking and it just seemed like everything was um closed or whatever like we didn't even realize what what I was beside, and I turned around, and, and it was it was a school, and there was a in the window you could not see in. It was you could only see one way on the windows, and I was smoking a joint, and, and I remember thinking like, oh my god, like this could be a whole classroom full of kids watching an RVD with this doobie like right outside. I can't even tell if anyone's in there or not. And I was, and then I thought, if so, I hope they don't think it's a cigarette. Oh yeah. That was my first thought, you know, like hopefully they know that this is cannabis, um, which is is magical. That's why there's no uh, lung cancer that silly kid was talking about. And, and you know, here's a silly conversation they'll have. Um, yeah, the, unless it's changed, you know, they've said that there's no, there's never been any deaths reported from an overdose of cannabis. Uh, but I don't know if that might, that might've changed recently. Well, like all of a sudden they're going to like have, uh, they're going to find a case in, or, or two. And then, and then all of a sudden it's as bad as cigarettes. You know, it's just, it's a very um, uneducated and uh, predetermined bias. Um, judgment that um, would keep people from thinking that I'm a role model. What else, you know? Um, okay, maybe sometimes I get TV shows thrown off the air for having a threesome. With <laughs> <laughs> um, by, by, by the way, um, I never used to smoke um, on camera until like maybe a year ago or so. Like when I started the CBD business, I thought this would be a good time to change. Like I'm like I'm going into that industry already as a longtime advocate, but now now I get to meet all the people that that say, "Man, I respect what you do for a whole different reason than than the Rolling Thunder." I mean, right. you know, the wrestling move um, because that's what it was like, you know, going to all the conventions and stuff and seeing all the people in the industry that I've inspired in that way, you know, and in the, in this thriving business and whether they're, they're helping change laws and, and, uh, and change um, attitudes and, and, and all the above. So um, I never used to smoke on camera and most it, the two reasons, one, because I didn't want like Nancy Grace to use it against me and be like, 
you know, you 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 have children who are your fans and you're smoking on YouTube. And what do you think these kids are going to do? You know, in which now I have an answer because, you know, I'm older and, and, uh, and have had this conversation so many times and stuff. I feel pretty comfortable with, uh, the fact that, that what I do, um, uh, what I do as an adult, obviously I'm okay with it. <laughs> and, uh, and for, for those reasons, I think I'm a good role model. I don't think kids should smoke. I don't think kids should fuck. I don't think kids should uh, drink. I don't think kids should uh, should run the White House. There's a lot of things that I think should be for adults and things for kids. And I think the kids should understand that and adults should understand that. And so, you know, the whole world seems to be always looking out for children because with their values, that's what's most important to them is the kids and uh, the next generation and uh, how you're affecting like uh, these people coming up. And it is a responsibility, but for my values, you know, like, does it have to be uh, the, the, the actual structure that, that's behind every decision that I make? Fuck no, not if there's no, not if there's no reason, um, but you can hold me accountable for everything that I say. And, uh, and I'm responsible, you know. So, anyway, I also thought it was just didn't like the way I looked smoking. Like, I always just thought, like, gross. Like, it's not, you know, flattering thing. And so, those were the reasons, like, I never went um, on camera and smoked. But now, I'm like, you know, what I'm doing isn't illegal. It's completely legal. And and we're almost where it's legal everywhere. Like I, like I said, there's, like, you know, 12 states that don't. Yeah, and, and, and by the way, federally, it's it's still illegal, which is because of the the marijuana the the marijuana tax stamp <laughs> act of 1937. So yeah, that's that's for a good reason. That's um, up to date. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people that would be like RVDB and a role model. A lot of them cheat on their wives. Ooh. Are you a good role model? Is that what you you want kids to learn how to lie and cheat people and waste people's lives believing in you when really you're a piece of shit? And I'm not saying you have to be a piece of shit to, well, you're kind of being a piece of shit, at least at that moment. And you know you are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, I've had relationships in the, that I learned from were definitely where I was a piece of shit. It makes it easier to recognize uh, in other people. But that's when I was really, really, really young. You know, I made it through the whole thing with the evil ex, um, admiring myself, respecting myself for all the choices that I made. And uh, so for that reason, I think that I'm a good role model. Um, I don't believe in uh, lying. And, and you know, um, if you ask a lot of people, like, would you consider yourself a good role model? A lot of people, the, the first they're going to go and, and just, if, they, if, if their answer is that they have to name a horrible thing that they're not, you know, are you a good role model? Eh, I mean, I'm not, I'm not like the worst person in the world, you know, I don't, I don't, if, if, if they start, you know, like, I mean, I don't like go out and kill people, you know, like, dude, you just answered the question, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> you, said, you, you said a lot more than uh, than you realize. <laughs> so, you know, um, if, if if you don't think that I'm a good role model for your children, then then that's cool. Then you know, don't 
tell your children not to look up to me or whatever, but I'm not bragging, but I am what I wanted to be as a child. Everything, you know, I, I wanted to be a professional wrestler. I wanted to be in uh, action movies, you know? Um, I'm not gonna name my ridiculously large list of accolades and accomplishments, uh, but hopefully you get the picture though. I mean, I what I have in my life, not only did I work hard for it, but I did it using my values and holding on to my values and improving my values, definitely. Um, and, and so, you know what, this is my role. So, um, if someone asks me if I'm a good role model, it's, it's subjective. It all depends on, uh, what your vision of a good role model is. And that's it. That's it. Nothing else matters. And, uh, everyone's going to have their own bias, uh, opinion on that, you know, um, People are, are really worried right now about the whole transgender thing going because of how that could affect the younger people coming up. They don't want, uh, you know, certain people don't want kids coming up thinking like it's normal to um, want to be the other sex or, or, or whatever, you know, and that's there's always the, the people that want to hold back progress. And there's always other people that that, that want to move forward and away from, you know, what what was. And uh, because of that, everyone's got their own damn opinions and it's subjective. So you got to decide who's a good role model for your own kids or for you, as a matter of fact. Because even as adults, we're inspired by other people and people serve as role models without even trying to. It's not like you apply for the position and fill out an application. It's just how people react to you. And so... Do I have that in mind whenever I'm in public? Absolutely. That's what I was saying. Like on Twitter, they don't know they're on a public platform. They're just having a conversation. There's no accountability. Nobody knows who they are. So they can say whatever the fuck they want and not care. Someone like me, I am conscious of everything that comes out. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm far from it. But th this is my effort. And it's the way that I live. And so um, if you don't think uh, that, or if you think that I'm a bad role model, then okay. Um, I'm not insulted. I don't think. <laughs> I'm not really sure how to take that. <laughs> but but, uh, but you definitely have the right, you know, to, uh, um, to try to uh, manifest the pathway that you're trying or hoping to produce uh, in your own way. So um, for, you know, for parents that, that want to know how I feel about smoking weed, um, that's, that's how I feel. And if they, <clears throat> you know, somebody wants to say, but dude, you're getting baked like in front of, and, and the kids are, I smoked two joints while we're doing this podcast right here. And, I don't feel like I would fail too many sobriety tests right now. I mean, I feel like I feel like I'm talking all right. My eyes are red. Ooh, but they were red actually before the show started, and that's because of my night last night. Anyway, a role model. Yeah, 
And I'm not like, you could do much worse. I'm actually like, fuck yeah, who would want to be RVD? Are you going to consider yourself a good role model? Boom, next week. Boom. I got something to think about. I know that much. Yes. I do. Because it's like, I have not really, like, I've never really put my, in certain ways, maybe I've considered myself, like, like, factored in, am I a role model? But it's like, I've never really consciously thought about it to an extent of like, hey, but you know what, to your point, Rob, it's like, you, if you're looking at from like a career perspective, and like a driven perspective, and a philosophical perspective, it's like, you fit that category as a role model. Like, if somebody wants to- Thank you for your subjective opinion. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> but it's like and you usually i think it falls upon like hey how do you impression that person or what what is something that a certain person excels at and if that if you exude that to somebody that could make you a role model you know what i mean you know what? imagine like the rock how many grown men in their 50s do you think are inspired by the rock i mean you're it's not just kids yeah we all, we all have people that, whether they want to or not, we pattern some of our thoughts, efforts, dreams, or whatever um, around feelings that are inspired, you know, in a reactionary way to what they're doing. I mean, people post on Instagram, you know, that they're, whether it's partying, living the best life on a, on a cruise boat and, you know, in the tropics, or, or, or whether someone in the gym working out real hard or whatever, like, there's so many, it's all... They're all meant intentionally to inspire, and, and and they're all serve as as their own models for people that are looking at them. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's just it's definitely subjective. You know, it is very you know what you grew up on and what uh, yeah the impression that people have on you and hell like how many people preach about being a role model and yeah they're a they're cheating on somebody or you know they're living an alternate lifestyle that's like, you know, a hidden lifestyle that they want to keep from people or like, right. that's exactly. Yeah. And, or you're talking about too, you're smoking on here. Well, what if somebody's smoking a cigarette? What is that on here instead? That's like, you're giving off a worse impression that way. If you're doing, well, you should like be. That. It's, yeah. it's, it's usually not seen by basic thinkers. Um, and still probably by at least according to statistics, 50% of the people probably, still don't 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 even know that you know and they wouldn't get behind thinking that uh that cigarettes you're actually promoting poison right. <laughs> you know you're it's the thing too is like i grew up in a household where like uh, my dad's friend would come over and they would sit at the table and be smoking cigarettes like and like you know i wouldn't give a second thought about it now if they smoked weed my impression back then would have been like oh shit what the fuck you're doing drugs you're doing drugs yeah so but like we, I mean, cigarettes were nothing, but in comparison, it's just like Jesus. I was breathing that stuff in. <laughs> like, yeah, me too. I, yeah, I, I never smoked a cigarette in my life, but I, as a kid, I had plenty of secondhand smoke. Yeah. So being with the windows up in the car, or whatever. Like, ugh. my parents quit smoking when I was real little, but they used to, and definitely been around it. But, um, but yeah, it, my body reacts weird. Like I've told you before, like I can't breathe cigarette smoke. My it doesn't like I reject it. It, my, it feels like my lungs lock up and and just stop, you know, like taking air in when it's got that nasty stuff in it. Oh yeah. But, it, but I get, you know, where people just assume, well, smoke can't be good in their lungs no matter what. And it's like, 
what can I tell you, man? It can if it's magic. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we, talked about, we talked about last week how the THC and smoke, according to Mark Emery, the prince of pot, goes into your aviola and scoops out all the impurities from the crevices and helps clean you out. It, 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 the one dude said, um, I need to quit smoking uh, or I'm going to catch the big C. I saw right? that too, yep. And, and and I said, not only is there, does that, is there like, does it not cause cancer, uh, marijuana smoke, but it actually is a, a cancer fighting agent. And the dude denies it. So right there, you're done. Right. He's like, no, I don't remember what he said, but I think I, I think I saw a response where he said, no, it does not um, fight cancer. Did he, or did I? He said I don't something. Know. He said something back. Anyway, know. that was, you know, that's, that's not even new. There's a, that's been, that's been known forever. Like there's a guy down in, um, I don't know, somewhere south of the of the, of the border. My friend Dango oh. actually um, tried when he got cancer because he was never into marijuana, Dango, but he got cancer, you know, and uh, and it was spreading like really fast. They were trying to find things. <clears throat> anyway, <clears throat> Rick Simpson. Mm -hmm. Rick Simpson's hemp oil has been known like for decades um, that it's like a high concentrate of THC uh, made into like the stick oil and this was before we had the oil and the vape pens and, and all and dabs and all that and everyone has known like he's got if you look it up you're not going to believe the numbers. And I don't know if the numbers are true because he says that he cured like, I don't know. I, I'm, this is not an exact number, but there's something ridiculous like 900 and maybe it was like 9,900 people out of 10,000 he cured. Is there some kind of really like weird, like amazing claims, you know, out there and shit, but, but whatever the deal is, he was one of the first guys, you know, to really push the fact that a concentrated amount of, of a high level THC would uh, react to um, fast, fast growing cells in your body by, by slowing down that production. And then eventually they found ways where it's saying, wow, you know, it can actually reverse it. Didn't work for Dingo though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it does. I mean, like to your point, it, it helps in a lot of ways. Like you, you see how many people use it, you know, for, you know, whatever helps. We can do a whole show on that if we ever okay. if we ever want to. Um, <laughs> but um, what were we we were talking about? Um, just smoking cigarettes it. and how that was just a fucking. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, mm -hmm. so don't a lot of that. people. If you swear, a lot of people. Whatever. You know? yeah. <laughs> hey, everyone can has a right to their own pet peeves, but as I probably said. If you have pet peeves, you're actually choosing to be mad at something. So you actually have control over these feelings. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> I would recommend if you have pet peeves, learn to just laugh at them. Yes. And just deal with it, too. So that's the aspect. Too. <laughs> he doesn't know he can turn left. <laughs> oh, my God. The light's going to turn red. And he still hasn't even pulled out into the intersection. Oh, we're going to get to wait for a whole other. This is great. <laughs> What a guy. <laughs> what a guy. Cool, Rob. Well, um, anything you want to plug uh, before uh, this weekend is what? Oh, I guess it's the end of July. So if there's anything you want to 
get out there or the word about or anything? Is there anything you got going on? Might have a couple things that uh, that come to mind that I'll save for next week. I like it. But um, also, I am booked at Tulsa, Oklahoma. And uh, this booking just came through, like, I think since our last thing. But that's um, August 5th and 6th, Oklahoma. Yeah, I think it's Oklahoma Comic Con um, in Tulsa. So plug that one because that's, like, next week, right? Damn, that's coming quick. Holy shit. What happened in July? What happened in July, dude? I know, dude. It flew by this month. Best month of the year so far, I think. So. I think so. Mm -hmm. Guys. Cool, dude. Yeah. If you want to follow Rob, follow him on Twitter, social media, Instagram, at TheRealRVD. You can follow me on Twitter, at Dominic D'Angelo. But hey, if you want to check these clips out, check them out at RVD Pod right up above there. And uh, that'll take you to Rob's YouTube channel. YouTube channel. And if you guys are watching this in its entirety, you're watching it right now on the Premier Stream Network. And that you can see every Friday at 4.20 p.m. And then you can catch our audio, full audio, every Monday at 4.20 p.m. Awesome. And by the way, as as a um, concentrated value that I hope I put out there, if I serve as a role model for anybody, I hope that I inspire them to be themselves. That's what I that's that's what would mean the most to me. And what I would like to stand for is for people to uh, um, to know it's okay to be different. RVD said so. That's right. And who, who else can you get better advice from than that? RVDs. Show's name's one of a kind. It's one of a kind, guys. We'll see you here next week. Awesome. Oh. Thanks, Tom. Thank you, Rob. And- I was waiting for some kind of sign, some kind of indication. I was wasting my time. I got myself a 